Mama! Mama! We made it! What it, what it, what it do though? I like that. Very much. I like that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mama We Made It podcast. You got your Uncle Nushi with you. Uncle Roushy in the building. And an incredibly special guest. Give it up for Chief Johnson in the building. I'm so excited for this episode. You have no idea. I love this human being so much. His story is absolutely fucking incredible. I've seen this man go through hell and back and come back again. And I cannot wait for the culture to dive, dip, and dabble with us through this journey. My mm. brother Chief, welcome hey, to the podcast, bro. Man, I'm happy to be here. Finally. Yes. Finally. Yes. Finally, mama, we made yes. it. <laughs> mama. For real. Yeah. I feel but like the, time. the more times you bounce back, the stronger each time. You better believe that, it's about bro. It's be a strong episode. The bounce that's a, back. That's a fact. The and we've been back, bouncing back. bounce back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What's good with you? How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. Um... Everything's good, man. I'm blessed. I love you. You know, I can complain, but don't nobody want to hear that shit. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Chief, where'd you, where'd you grow up? Where, where did it all start for you? Um, it started in western West Virginia. Mm. Um, my father was military, as most of my family was. He was in the Air Force. Really? Um, and then we moved to Colorado Springs when I was around two or three years old. Okay. And um, my grandparents and a lot of my family were stationed. Well, they were military, and then when they retired, they ended up staying out there because the cost of living, and there's a bunch of military bases where the city we grew up in. So, um, yeah, that's that's where the journey, you know, pretty much started. And in between there, I bounced back, like, to New Orleans, you know, spent some time growing up in New Orleans and, um, and then back to Colorado, and then I spent some time in Atlanta, and then I've been in L.A. now for damn near 16 years. Wow. So almost my whole adult life I've been in, in L.A. That's incredible. Yeah. What, what was Colorado like? Boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, but no, nah, it, was, it was good, man. Let me tell you a little bit. Like Colorado, the city that you know we grew up in, Colorado Springs, it's pretty unique because there's a bunch of military bases there. So a lot of the kids and a lot of people there are transplants. Yeah. So one thing I, I must say, and people don't really, you'll never really hear anybody saying culture from Colorado, but all of my friends were from like the East coast or down South or, you know, the West coast. So it was a melting pot of like, you know, so much diversity yeah, in so many different like backgrounds and heritages and, you know, different cultures. So I would never imagine that. Yeah. It's, it's, cr- it's pretty crazy. You know, there's one of the hugest, one of the largest military, the army military bases, Fort Carson is out there. And then the air force academies out there. There's another air force, um, uh, base out there, NORADs out there. So just tons of shitload of, bases yeah. And, you know, most people, you think about it, a lot of people that are in the military are from the South or from poor backgrounds because yeah. mm. it was like, if you're not going to college and you're not, you know, in jail or dead, like the military was almost like an escape. 
you know, the saving grace. Yeah, the saving grace. And, you know, that's, you know, how a lot of my family, you know, was involved in that. So growing up, I was exposed to, you know, having white friends at an early age, Hispanic friends at an early age, Asian friends at an early age from, you know, the just, military is the true American melting pot. It, right it really is. Mm. It really is. Like, I mean, that was the first time you've seen like a mix, a Korean and black kid. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Like that was, that was, that's a military mix and a lot of heritage are mixed because of the military. That's so interesting. That's actually something I, I actually don't even realize that yeah, thinking about that. When you think of the military, you never really hear it in terms of, mixed in cultures like that yeah because you think like these guys are teenagers going into the early years of adulthood and they're getting stationed in korea japan france all these different places and you know of course like the women in these places are exotic and they're different and it's beautiful and i think I want to say the first mixed kid came from military people. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. You know what I mean? Ever. And we had the flyest shit, too. Like, the satin jacket that these kids love. Like, yeah. that's those used to come back from the military bases in Korea. Like, You're so right with you that. You know what though. I mean? Like, yeah. we were getting Jordans on base, no tax. Like... I mean, the shopping was crazy. Like, you're getting gear from all these different places. So it was a true melting pot, man. And then what comes with that is you're exposed to different genres of music. Mm. You know, because we didn't have, like, a Power 106 or anything. We had, like, a true FM radio and other radio stations. But they're playing Metallica. They're playing Phil Collins. They're playing, you know, MC you know, MCA and, you know, NWA and Ice Cube. So you're just exposed to everything, everything, you know, and then all my homies, like we're all from the East coast, like Jersey and Virginia. And, you know, we were studying like the 5% nation. So we were heavy into woo and heavy into like the grave diggers and like yep. Helter Skelter and like yep. all the East coast stuff. Culture. You know what I mean? But at the same time we was rocking NWA. We was rocking Q. We was rocking, you know, just not stop sure. anything. You know what I mean? And Crazy. from the South too, a lot of, a lot of military people from the South. So, you know, that influence too, with your, you know, your bum B's and UGK's and, you know, just, all of it, you know. So yeah. it was truly a melting pot, and, and for that, I'm I'm very very grateful. For sure. Um, and you know, as a as a younger kid, it was something you kind of shied away from because you always want to be from like the coolest place. Like, yeah. When you're young, you want to be like, yeah, I'm from New York, like, yeah. <laughs> or I'm, yeah. you know, I'm from West, I'm from Cali. You know what I mean? Like, we we had all the gangs too. Like, so I grew up. You know, we grew up running around with those guys. So, you know, there's a bit of an identity crisis there because you're like, wait. I'm stuck in like in between this, but then you realize like, nah, that's dope because I'm I'm exposed to it all. Sure. Yes. You know what I mean? From the fashion sense, like we wore Cortez, but then we also wore Timberlands. Yeah. We wore Dickies, but we wore Nauticas. You know what I mean? We wore all that stuff. So I mean, in that sense it was really, really cool to to grow up in that. And um, you know, the majority of my family is from the South. They're from Mississippi, they're from mm-hmm. New Orleans. Um, my stepfather, their family's from like New Orleans and Chicago. Yeah. Um, so it was like a, just a huge melting pot. Like I have a huge, huge, huge family. So Incredible. it's, it's a great thing, you know? So what's it like growing up in a military family? Well, see, we're kind of like on the, the end of it because, you know, when we left from my dad and the majority of them were 
like retired or you know we had one our, our uncle Eugene was the only one that was still pretty active in the military he did like 20 something years but all of them had been a part of something you gotcha. know what I mean and and um, my sister was in the military and her, actually her her husband passed away in Iraq Man. you know he was you know a Ooh. fallen soldier so dealing with that stuff firsthand you know what I mean um it's pretty crazy and and just in general like the hard thing with the military is that if you don't stay in for 20 something years it almost sets you back a little bit mm. unless you're really active about getting like your education and using like the GI bill and stuff like that but for a kid that's trying to escape and you go and do your 4 years and then you get out it's almost like okay now what do i do because on the contrary like the government they don't really take care of no. soldiers and these people that are laying their lives on the line on the right, front line right, like right. you know they do have these programs but you know you got to be really tapped in and you got to spend some significant time in the military to be able to build you know a crew that that kind of money to get you know that education so i mean it's a gift and a curse for just sure just like with anything else man you like take the experiences and you learn from it like even myself like me and one of my best friends, we enlisted in the Air Force. We were going to school in Atlanta. No and we were like down on hard times. We we're like, fuck it, let's just let's join the Air Force. Wow. And we went in and did the maps and did all that stuff. And we were on the delayed enlistment program. And you kind of have like this grace period. And our recruiter was like, I don't want to see y'all throw your lives away. Like, wow. Real sh- I don't remember this cast name, but this is when we were living in Atlanta and I mean, shout out that guy because, I mean, I don't know what how life would have panned out, but obviously that wasn't meant to be the road and to have wow. somebody look out like that. The voice of reason. Came oh, my in. goodness. You know what I mean? Because I think he's 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 sensed the desperation. Mm. You know, we were super young. We went out there like the year after we graduated high school and we were working overnights at Office Depot and living with this random guy like who was a felon mm. driving around a stolen car for like six months. Like it was crazy. Like legit. My best friend, Adrian Smith, great guy also too. He, he manages like AD and a bunch of other artists, but you know, my best friend for 22 years, we were just going through it and we hit that, that bottom and we're like, we don't want to go back to Colorado. And at the same time, like we can't, keep living like this you know we were we were young you know 18 years old and trying to figure out a a brand new world for us sure and we were really just trying to navigate it and it was some of the best times we had but at the same time it was like we couldn't you know we couldn't sustain that because we weren't trying to really work like we're working overnights at office depot (laughs) that shit like lasted maybe like a month and we both were like can't you ready to quit? Can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it. You know what I mean? And we were like eating Taco Bell, Nacho Bell Grande every day for like a dollar something, living mm. off of chili cheese hot dogs. For real. Like it was just really the struggle. But, you know, coming up the way we did, you know, we learned to be like resilient and, and figure things out. But, sure. you know, I, I think about, you know, when I was, when we were trying to do the military thing, I thought about like my family and stuff like, damn, do I really want to take this route yeah. or is this taking like not I'm not going to say the easy way out because that's definitely not sure. there's nothing easy about the military but at the same time you know we were so young and to to just throw your chips you know 
all on the table like all right let's just do this i'm, I'm glad we didn't and shout yeah. out to that man for really looking at us for that's sure. wild yeah but um i want to dial it back a little bit more to the like childhood and youth did you grow up throughout your childhood and youth on the basis no no we i don't honestly i don't know when we were younger um before we came out to colorado but um, once we got to Colorado, we were living with my grandparents and we didn't live on the base. We lived nearby, but we didn't spend any, any significant time, like mm. actually living on base. Mm. We still had aunts and uncles and family and all that got stuff you. that were on base, but, um, we didn't live out there too much, you know? So what kind of kid were you like, just in terms of your personality and the things you were into and, being from a military family, like I go into the state of mind, like it must have been a strict household and kind of like, that's just my like predisposed like thoughts. Yeah. But, and we've also had some like guests that have been on that have come from military families with different experiences, like moving all around. So never really getting close to friends or establishing real friendships. Cause you're always like, this is going to end yeah. and kind of having to like find yourself and, and dive more into you and your independence so for you in that environment, also being around a complete culture of tons of kids in this environment, like a community, what were some of the, the, the things that describe you as a kid and the things you were into? I mean, the good thing is we had such a big family and brothers and sisters, like it was really like always family. You know what I mean? We had a, but besides like I hung with my brothers and sisters and How my many brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, there's six of us. Wow. So the crazy thing is like, I'm adopted in a certain crazy way. Like my mom, my biological mother had three major strokes when I was a kid. Oh, so my aunt took me in. Really? Um, and she has two boys and a little girl. So I grew up like kind of in this parallel where, you know, like my mom is recovering from, you know, she honestly shouldn't, shouldn't have lived. Wow. You know, um, and um, but from an early age, it was always just us, you know, what absolutely. I mean? So, from a real early age, it was just literally like I kept a real tight circle, mm. and you know, that that instance with my mother changed me a lot, you know what I mean? Because it, it I did, even though we were surrounded by a lot of people and family and stuff, I did feel alone. You know what I mean? Because as a kid, you're trying to process, like, why did this happen? And, you know, your mom's, like, trying to learn how to speak again and walk again. Wow. And seeing that at an early age was really devastating. Oh. You know, and there was a, a period of time, too, where I blamed myself. Really? Yeah. Why? You know, just because, you know, like, a stroke, like, when you find out, like, what causes those things. And it's, like, stress and, like, certain things like that. You're like, dang, was... You know, was I a burden? Mm -hmm. Like, were, were we a burden? Like, could we have done anything? And, you know, Man. you're 10 years old, yeah. 11 years old, and trying to figure that out. And now mm -hmm. you're kind of split between two families. And, you know, it was, it was real difficult. But luckily, like, my mom, you know, my, my second mom, like, she was, like, the backbone for everything. And she held it down. And so I grew up, like, you know, in a, in a weird and then also, too, you're, you're going to school with kids and kids, you know, you're getting introduced like, oh, these are my brothers and sister. Like, why are you so light skinned? Like, right. You know, and it's like you don't as a kid, you don't want to talk about that. Like, my For mom had it. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, well, let me tell you the story. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. Um, 
But so it's, it's crazy also how like for <laughs> kids and like the youth different is such a like a strong and weird thing for them. Yeah. Like differences are called out, harped out. Like as kids we're just vicious. Yeah. yeah it's weird. Believe me, and then me and my one of my, my youngest brother, when we would fight, he'd be like, white boy, shut up, white boy. Oh like my God. you know what I mean? Like and like those <laughs> yeah. like kids are mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. We 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 say mean things. So you know, it was a lot. And then also my two older siblings, they were a little bit older, so they were already kind of like doing their thing. And, you know, so it was pretty crazy growing up. But, you know, at an early age, you know, I really started finding music and dancing was like a huge thing for us within our family. Mm. You know, so we had a kids group, you know what I mean? Like really? it started like my stepdad, he put it, he used to work at Walmart and he put us in his, the Walmart talent show. Oh, wow. And we won. No way. <laughs> yeah. And um, that kind of like started like us in like the dance community. And back then, I mean, this is so many years ago, but there was this Christian group called DC Talk. Okay. And one of the guys, a couple of the guys are still really big. Toby is probably the biggest one. I forget Toby's last name, but he's still really huge in the Christian world. But they were a Christian rap group. Oh. And they had auditions for like background dancers and my dad's like, you guys are going to do that. And we won the contest. So (laughs) we ended up like getting flown out to this huge Christian conference and performed in front of like, I think Bush was the president at the time. Wait, how old were you as this is going on? Like fucking like 11, This is crazy, dude. Yeah. 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 And what kind of dance? Just, just like hip hop dance. hip hop dance. One of the first like routines, I think the song we danced to was um, "Work It Out" by Moni Love or some shit wow. like that. I, um, I believe it was Moni Love or MC Light, one of them. But you know, I still remember that. You know, and from there it just kept on, you know, moving. And they actually wanted to form a group called Kids Talk. Mm. And they wanted us to be the group, but the stipulation is that we needed to add like a white kid or something else to it because <laughs> they wanted diversity. I mean, this is back in the nineties. And they were like, We need diversity. Wow. And my step my dad was like, Nope. <laughs> this is it right here. Yeah. So, you know, that didn't end up happening, but it started us in the music Y'all and then, the bug. And then from there we started rapping. I started rapping when I was like 13 um, and we had a group. Our group was called T.O., The Intelligent Ones. I love that. And yeah, we wrote our own rhymes. We, you know, did our own routines. Like, you know, we were doing a lot, a lot of things. I have to find some old videos, but, you know, we're performing everywhere around the city. We're like, you know, kind of like city legends. Really? Yeah, like some crazy shit. We almost signed to Motown. That's crazy. Like, insane. Yeah, Barry Gordy's brother came out and saw us, and once again, my dad blew that one. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is what you said. You know, they were like, you know, from what I get from it, from, from moms was that they were telling him, like, if we were to sign, he would need to step down as manager. And just the pride and yeah. like I built this and yeah. it didn't happen, you know. We're so young, like I remember being like upset and asking, like, "What what, what happened? Like, we we're, were gonna be on Motown? Like, da, 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 like this was our ticket, <laughs> you know?" As a kid, like, because I'm telling you, like, sure. he was like a drill sergeant. 
Like God, we practice. He was just Joe Jackson. Yeah, if I call my mom and be like, "How much did he?" We were practicing. She like night and day. Wow. Like he was our Joe Jackson. Real talk. For sure. Like real, real talk. For sure. And it's you crazy know? also. Like even like whether Motown or whatever, but these labels, even at that time, like I can actually see the 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 the, the reservation because it's like cats want to come in, take over, and take all ownership. Yeah, like, this isn't the, the day and age where like artists had the freedoms. No, and, no there and there was wasn't no, no independence. And it yeah, wasn't, I mean you Very had the the homie managers you, but in the rap side of things, but something like a Motown, yes. a very they weren't having that shit. No, no, no. they're like we want to like, own this commodity. Yeah, we run it to the ground, especially as like an entity too. Like right. they're going to develop this product, now. right? And that's like, when they used to actually develop artists, yeah. and they really put you through like. You know, your performance training, they teach you how to interview. They really were, you know, investing in that. So, especially as kids, too, yeah, and working yeah. with kids, it's like, yeah. So, you know, that was like between the music and all that, of course, like sports, but even the sports, my dad was like, you guys could either play sports or you could do music. You're not doing both. Did you enjoy this at the beginning? And then there was a point. Like, once we started getting towards high school, by then we were full-fledged, like, artists. Like, we were in all the freestyle competitions. We were doing, opening up for shows. We were wow. fucking doing everything, touring, like, you know, all That's over. That's crazy. And, but the passion was in a weird place because, you know, he was literally like Joe Jackson. Yeah. And, I, and it, the craziest thing is I love this man. Like, we haven't talked in some years. Yeah. You know, but... It, it, when when you have that much pressure on you and you look back in hindsight on things like when you had to choose between like sports and things that you loved and you missed out on a lot of things, mm. you are you, there's a little certain resentment that builds sure. up. Yeah, you know. So by the time like we graduated high school, we were like, I don't want to rock with you no more. And by the time we got to high school, we had formed that group had transformed and then. Our cousin Stro, who's now part of the Roots, mm. was in the group now also too. Wow! So he was producing all the music, and we were, i mean, Shout really, out to Stroh really over here, man. yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we were really like killing it in the percussions. You know, you know, our cousin Rez, you know, Mr. J, who's part of a group now, Alto now overseas. Um, we were like smashing Colorado. We were smashing like a lot of places, you know. Um, Things like that, I feel like, is like a gift and a curse, right? Like it builds that acumen and that type of regimen allows you to withstand what could come. Yeah. But at the same time, like especially with kids, it's one of those things that like the burden and the pressures could really like damper on a childhood. Oh, for sure. Right. It's like, it's like the, the, the sports dad that out with the kids or the music dad that's like really running them to the ground. Cause like in their head, they're like, I know how this runs. Yep. Y'all need to be disciplined. Yep. Um, what, what, what effect did that have on you? Like even just like growing up, right. In terms of you balancing your love for like, this newfound craft and also doing it with family, but also getting to an age where you started understanding like it taking away from the kid in you. Yeah. It was tough, man, because I mean, even, you know, being like 12 and 13, you're trying to balance school and, you know, playing 
play basketball and hanging out with your friends and, you know, wanting to run around. And like, you know, at that age, like, you know, my sister was hanging around a lot of gang members and I was hanging around like all of our older, like our friends, brothers and sisters were gangsters. And, you know, I started we started selling, you know, dabbling, selling drugs when we were like 13. I remember you know, my boy Kevin, his brother, and a few others, they had us running rocks for him. And we would sell wow. them, like, in the 7-Eleven parking lot. There used to be a club called the Cloud Nine. And we'd be down there selling his drugs for him, you know, because at an early age, I was already addicted to money. Mm. And you get my brothers and sisters, even, you know, my cousins, they'd be like, how do you always have money? Like, you're 13. <laughs> and I always just figured out a way to, to make money. Yeah. And in between that also, too, in the summer, having to work, my first job, me and my brother worked at the Salvation Army. And if anybody knows what the Salvation Army is, pretty much a halfway house. Yeah. So we're spending our days with criminals. <laughs> like, wow. You know what I mean? So you're trying to balance all that and then going to church and still, you know, trying to be a good kid. You know, I brought a gun to school when I was in sixth grade. Wild. Really? Yeah, I got a my, my sister's boyfriend at the time, like, let me borrow his gun. Oh I took God. it to school and gave it to my friend Archie. And then he took it home and was shooting it in his backyard. You know, I, the next day I get a call, principal's office. I'm walking in. There's cops there. I'm like, what? The? And they're like, yeah, Archie, you know. So I was that kid. I was, you know, like wow. any other kid, like, just trying to figure out, like, who am I? And, you know, I love so many things and yeah. I'm torn, like, you know, but it's crazy. I wouldn't have gathered any of that side of what you just described when I was thinking about your trajectory in this like music group. Yeah. It's it kind of, cause it kind of seems wholesome. Like this kid group, you guys are dancing, you're singing, you're rapping yeah, and you're kids. And when you talk about this other part of it, from selling drugs and bringing a gun to school and and just being in this environment and also the gangster element being allowed yeah. to be around. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was pretty crazy, man. Like I, I mean, I I remember there's certain things that shape you as a kid and that you're exposed to at a year to early age. And you know, we had a lot of family members who were on drugs, and mm. we would go to family parties and they'd stuff us in the room and they'd be out there drinking, smoking, shooting up, like mm. wow. you know. Um, one of my uncles, my uncle George, like the first time my grandma took us to visit him in prison, I think I was like nine years old. Wow. When my great grandmother died, I remember him being at the funeral in shackles. Jesus. You know, so at a young age, I was so exposed, ever, to, exposed so, to so much. And I just remember so exposed, liking to Crazy. go to see my uncle in jail because I knew my grandma was going to take us to Sonic and give <laughs> yeah. us a bunch of quarters and I was going to eat the microwavable pizza. And this is a, a federal max prison in Canyon City. Wow. And I'm, my uncle's been out of jail probably. This is the longest he's been out of jail, which has been like maybe eight years. But he's in his 60s now. Yeah. Wow. And he was a star athlete. He was in the military. You know, so I've seen, I grew up around all this different, like, Absolutely. chaos. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so touching on so many, like, different like aspects of the life. Spectrum yeah. of chaos. <laughs> yeah. And then both of my grandparents, <laughs> my grandfather was an amazing man. Like, he's still my idol to this day. And all I've seen him ever do is work, mm. work, work. But on the other side of things, he wasn't a very, like, feelings guy like mm. I he's told me I love you once in my life and that was like three days before he passed away wow and that's when I knew he was gonna pass away oh. I remember telling wow. telling my boy like 
my my grandfather's about to pass away. You know, he what had I mean? to get it out. He had to get it out. So I grew up also being weird about like feelings and things because we didn't really grow like my mom, amazing woman, but she worked her ass off. Like mm. we would see her on Sundays because she worked to take care of all of us. You know, so growing up in all these different dynamics, you know, you get good things, you get bad things. But for sure, you know, as a kid, you're just really trying to sift through all the shit, like to figure out like where you land. You know, but one thing that never stopped, we was cool as hell. Like, you know, and that was a cool thing, like growing up with like uncles and them and and just so many different family members and touching so many different genres is like that part was beautiful but it was it was hard you know because you're always one mistake away from like i'm not gonna say ruining your life but yeah pretty close a to super it. bad decision. yeah a super bad decision or being in jail or being killed yeah. like you know we've been in shootouts before we've had you know i've had a bunch of friends who've been killed or Jeez. or died you know what i mean like so growing up was a very tumultuous thing you know what I mean? But at the same time, like all those things, when you can take the energy and direct them into different For ways, sure. once you learn how to navigate. Yeah. And it took me a very long time to navigate, you know, that, you know, but even, you know, going back to the music, you know, by the time we graduated high school, I was tapped out. I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this no more. And then that's when we ended up moving to Atlanta. And then I didn't start music again until we went back to Colorado and then we formed our new group, Due Process, which was myself and vice versa, who was in another group, The Procussions. Um, and then, you know, that's when we started picking up music again, which brought us out here. Can I can I ask before we jump in this? Yeah. I just want to touch on what you were just saying, too, um, about, like, you know, not being a feelings family necessarily. And you have all these things going on and you're trying to find out where you land. If you were like looking back right now and just what kind of kid were you, do you think you were in that? Were you like a feelings kid? Were you a aggressive kid? Were you like, where did you kind of, your true when you were by yourself? Cause sometimes kids are like, it reminded me like of Kendrick, right? Good kid, mad city. Mm-hmm. Like, Good kid, but the surroundings are are nuts. Um, if you were to strip that back, all like put your surroundings and all the stuff you were experiencing kind of to the side. Yeah. What actually kind of kid do you think you were at that time? Because I want to see where we go from here. I was pretty standoffish and quiet and um, didn't really let people in. You know what I mean? I had a lot of pent up aggression and anger. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I did okay in school. You know, I did enough to, to get by. Um, but I, I definitely had an anger issue. You know, I, I think the first time I, I mean, even in kindergarten, like, I remember getting in trouble with my cousin Q. And I remember in fifth grade, I mooned my teacher. <laughs> And like <laughs> I don't know if that's an anger know? issue, but I feel you. But that's a, that's a fuck you issue. Yeah, yeah. No, but you know things that's like great. that, and then getting suspended a lot, and yeah. you know, like nothing crazy that kids don't do. But I definitely there was a lot of moodiness mm. and a lot of like pent up aggression and anger that you know I kept suppressed for so many years because I had been through and seen like yeah. so, much. so much shit. Yeah, you know, and as a kid, like the outlet wasn't there because 
I mean, that what's the outlet? Your brothers and sisters who have also went through the same things, yeah. you know, and we were, I guess, not raised. You didn't know about therapy and these kind of things. Like we grew up poor, you know what I mean? Like we grew up struggling. So we didn't, those kind of things weren't accessible. Mm. And it's like, you couldn't really talk to your mentors about it because, you know, we didn't really have nobody in that place. Like, mm. and you couldn't go to your dad about it because it's like pussy. <laughs> like, yeah, right, you know right. what I mean? And he's going through probably worse than what you're going through. So, sure. you know, it was, it was real tough. And when you don't have that outlet, which is so important and I'm really happy that a lot of people are taking the steps forward to, to talk about mental issues, but it's nothing new. Yeah. No. You know what I mean? But the, I guess the outlets are there now. Absolutely. But also, too, at the same time, you know, I feel like people use that as a crutch now. For sure. You and also I mean? it's there for who? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, know, like, what is really there, there, an there's issue? St- like, there's still underserved communities in yeah. in regards to those those things as well. Right, right. So, you know, to, to summarize it, yeah, I, there was a lot of times where I was a shy kid, quiet, kept to myself, but... You know, I, I think overall I was, and everybody tells me like you were moody as hell. Mm. Like, and that's just because when you're, you know, deep down inside, you're not happy and you're not really understanding what's going on. Yeah, you haven't really dealt with things. It just all backs up. You know, yeah. so interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's just, when, just, when when you were kind of like looking towards like okay, cool, like I'm gonna start like towards your later like youth years, like high school and onwards, like. Did you have your thoughts of what your path would be like when you got out and made it out? Not a chance. Because even high mm. school, I went to three different high schools. Mm. So even through that, I was just trying to sift through, like, what is going on? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, sure. we left Colorado my ninth grade year, and we moved to New Orleans. And this, like, everybody, there's... Like, looks at New Orleans from the lens. If you're not from there, you look at it through a lens of, like, Mardi Gras. And yeah. Like, that's Super it, you know, tourism. That, that's it. Yeah, the French quarters. But growing up there is extremely hard. That's one of the most poverty-stricken places, mm-hmm. the most rough places to grow up. And I went to Abramson. Um, and coming from Colorado and going to a school that has barbed wires around the gates. Wow. Once the school bell rings, the, the, the gates lock. The school, the hallways are one way, so there's no passing traffic. Like, the, oh the, shit, it goes in a circle because they don't want people passing, fighting, da da da. Like, you know, the education. I mean, you know, we're in ninth, tenth grade, and these kids. I I remember being in English class and we're reading To Kill a Mockingbird, mm. and these kids telling me like, "Damn, dog, you a genius. You can read so good." <laughs> Wow. And back then I thought it was funny, but then I look at it and I'm like, that's, that's wow. really extreme. That's sad. sad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And these teachers weren't teaching anything. You know what I mean? Like, they're just running through the motions. They're just running through the motions because they're so burnt out and these kids are so bad, you know? Um, so even then, we were struggling, like, you know, and on top of that, it's like you're in a new place. And you're make, trying to make new friends, and you're like, is this temporarily? Are we staying down here? Like, what's going on? So there was a lot, even more that compiled. Yeah. I'm like, damn, mom, is this a punishment? <laughs> like, what's going on? But 
once again, also too, we it was fun. You know what I mean? It's like it was it was a once dope you get week. acclimated. Yeah, once you get acclimated, you're like, okay, cool. I got my brothers and you know with me and my little sister and you know the family. And Do you think family was one thing that allowed you to like push through it? A thousand percent, mm. a thousand percent, because that's always going to be like home base, mm-hmm. even if it's chaotic. You know, like you still find refuge in that. Yeah, you know, we're sure. living in a two bedroom apartment. There's five of us. Sure. Yeah. You know, me and we had bunk beds, and then our little sister's bed was in the corner, and then the parents' bed. So I didn't get my first room until I was 17. Wow. Until my junior year of high school is when we first, I got my first own room. You know what I mean? So did that weigh on you also? Yeah, because you know, as a kid, like you said, kids are mean, and yeah. you're also at that point now where you're a little bit older and you want things. Yeah, and and that's another reason why I always was hustling and yeah, you know, trying to figure out ways to make money because you know I wanted stuff. Yeah, like and I always figured out how to make money, but you know you See, don't want to be the poor kid. Different context. Yeah, when when it comes that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even the poor kids don't want to be the poor kid. <laughs> yeah. You live in a whole community of poor kids, but you don't want to be the poorest kid. For exactly. sure. You know what I mean? So you're constantly like and trying to overcompensate. And the possibilities aren't exactly out there. A thousand percent. You know, thank God that that school, we had to wear uniforms because, you know. You can't tell. Yeah, you can't yeah. tell. You know, only thing you need to worry about is was your 5411s clean. Right. You know? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it really weighed on it especially i think once you start getting to you know the high school you know time frame when you're kind of stepping into your manhood and yeah. i say that lightly because sure. you're nowhere near a man in For high sure. school is like as much as you want to think you are but, but it's more like recognizing yeah. that there's a manhood and i think once we were in kind of like in new orleans is when i start figuring out like okay what's i need to shift my my focus sure. you know what i mean um, and then we went back, like, you know, thank God we went back because the money just wasn't good enough, you know, for, for my mom and she was flying back and forth to Colorado to do hair, to take care of home and all this shit. So we ended up going back junior year of high school. And that's when I met like Adrian, my best friend. And that's when I met some of my best wow. friends. And it was the first day of school, too. yeah. And, and me and my brother, like the new kids from New Orleans, and you know, we got the crease dickies on, and like just looking flying. Everybody's like, uh, "They ain't from here." <laughs> and we had this class, and like the first day of, of class, it was my boy Adrian, Cedric, a couple other cats, and they're like, "Are oh, we gonna name y'all Quo?" And Quo used to, there was a rap group named Quo, and it was a light skinned kid and a dark skinned kid. <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna name y'all quo lq and dq <laughs> and that was like our nickname that stuck and then we you know we used to all freestyle together and you know all that stuff but that's when i finally hit like kind of like my my purpose and my crew and that's when like juice and all that stuff yeah like, damn these are my boys you know what i mean so but it's the same thing you know we were trying to balance playing basketball and doing runouts at the outlet and stealing stuff like yeah. you it's know. crazy how much like your environment can change everything about you yeah. like it gives you that ability to just reset and sometimes you just need that even sure. if it's like just coming out of nowhere and, yep. and you're like oh man i don't know this change is scary i don't know what i'm going to be but you show up you're like wait i can be someone i'm not, you're not carrying all the baggage yeah. of 
who you were to everybody around you. Right. Yeah. Like you can, even if you're changing inside and you want to be a different person, so many people when you're stuck in an environment who have known you for a long time only see you as like one person. So you can't yeah. escape that. But it's crazy to me just like boom, just yeah. one switch. Yeah. You're like yeah. life's open. It's yeah. like damn, you crazy. Meet some people and it's like uh, we all love sports. We love the same kind of music. We're all fucked up military kids. Like, you know, we've all been through a lot of crazy stuff. Sure. You know, and then it's just like, this is my people. And, you know, we were still doing the same thing. Like, For sure. We were in fashion, basketball. We were breakdancing. We were freestyling. We were really like, you know, but we were the guy. We were the cool kids at school, yeah. you know? It's crazy to think about too. Also, like you know, as, as kids and also just young adults, like we're all we all really. The one thing we we really want to do is belong. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's such a turning point to see like such like fragmented chaos and struggle and identity crises internally and externally, and then coming into you know, it's not like the family situation and income situation changed dramatically. When you came into, you know, your junior year of high school, but it's more so that the new friends in the community allowed y'all and you especially to really just like be a little more comfortable with your identity. Yeah. Right. Like a group was together. Yeah. Comrades and the camaraderie of the brotherhood was like being solidified. And that's the crazy thing to think about if you like take that out and just conceptually is like that's actually why. You know, some kids go the straight and narrow and then mm-hmm. others find that comfort in like gangs mm-hmm. and these other areas of sure. that nature. Because nothing starts out as like, you got to do this, you got to do that. No. It's like, yo, come here, you are brothers. Yeah, it's yeah. where you're embraced. It's yeah. where you feel comfortable. And the wild thing is for me, especially like, and also in these communities where there's more diversity and there's also just more of like the underserved, if you will, of you hit the nail on the head in that like in that environment it's like it's so hard to feel and also love oneself when you're struggling to like catch air totally mm-hmm. and especially as a kid it's like you're trying to find meaning and your parents and those support systems around you are doing the best that they can sure you know what i mean but at the same time like we have needs growing up like we yeah. have aspirations growing up we we have insecurities that we can't really address growing up. So it's like there's all these things that come into play in this whole nature versus nurture environment that we get thrust into. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting and beautiful to hear it play out because it's so important. Like nobody's life is really the same, but we only can start to understand it when these things are spoken about. Because so many of us also that go through these feelings keep those like dark ones or those like muddy ones locked in mm-hmm. like all right bro we got past that let's just like throw this away yeah. like, right. we don't ever need to come back to right. that but in the cycles like to know that it's okay to have gone through that is such a beautiful thing and a powerful thing to like momentum walk through it you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah. that's the gorgeousness Crazy. like yeah. yeah yeah like i said it's it's a lot man like you know the pressure of, of of just being a child and having to grow up fast and figure things out, and you know at the same time still hold on to some of that innocence and youth. Yeah, like it's 
like people sometimes overlook that. Absolutely. You know, and we even overlook it. Like, Absolutely. You look back on it and you say like, damn, that was pretty rough growing up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you said the pride in you, like you said, wants to tuck away that stuff. Yeah. Because you're either embarrassed by it or you don't want people to think that you ever struggled. And that's just not cool. Like right. people need to hear that. Yeah. Because guarantee more people are struggling than. Absolutely. They are doing good. For sure. You know what I mean? That's and, a fucking fact. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, it's so even even still then, like junior, I didn't still didn't know, For know sure. what we wanted to do. Like, we're just like any other kid. We have aspirations of playing ball. Yeah. You know, or we wanted to rap or whatever. But, you know, more than anything, though, it was just like, let's have fun. Let's make money. Let's go out. Let's. You know, well, we just had each other. You yeah. know what I mean? It was yeah. like we had our we had our people and we were moving around and you know, like I said, that was my first time, you know, we hit we all had our own rooms and we had our own phone. And my mom was the type of woman who she took, you know, if our friends didn't have anywhere to stay, she like they can come here. Mm. They can come here. So even like the my whole twelfth grade year, like my best friend lived with us. So many people were in and out of our crib because That's incredible. my mom was just a nurturer. Mm. You know what I mean? Um but you know, throughout that it was just like music and sports and, you know, still running around and, you know, at that age you start getting into things, you're smoking. I didn't really I was never really a drinker too much. I got I didn't drink. I think I had my first drink when I was 13. Yeah. Which was some mad dog. <laughs> and I wasn't feeling it. Yeah. I don't think I drank I'm again until I was it. 20. You know what I'm yeah. yeah. You know, That'll but, do it to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we were smoking weed and doing, you know, those kind of things that, you know, that kids do. For but, sure. You know, by that time, you know, we were doing better. We were still, you know, mischievous and fighting and stealing shit and doing those kind of things. But... You know what? You kind of like you said, like you find that brotherhood and that camaraderie, and you're like you're cool with that. You know, and even through school, like you know, some friends got killed and some (laughs) friends went to jail, and you know that kind of chaos. But um, you know, so finished eleventh and twelfth grade year in Colorado, and then by then, you know, we had decided you know not to be a group anymore on the music side, and then that's when it was like let's move to Atlanta. You know, and then the plan was let's move to Atlanta, let's walk on, you know, at one of the black colleges, play basketball. You know, that shit didn't pan out. We lasted out there for close to a year. But even that, like, that was Greyhound bus to Atlanta. Wow. 36 hours, you know, supposed to be living with my godmother. Within three or four days we were there, she tells us we have to get out and we can go live with her boyfriend who the one we found out was basically in a halfway house wow. for like fraudulent checks and all this shit. And he would have us trying to like cash these fake checks. And he had us driving around a stolen car, Ugh. like just crazy. So it was shit. That's wild. You know what I mean? And we're like seven, 18 years old in a completely across the other country. Yeah, well, no. why, why'd you decide to go to Atlanta? Cause we wanted to go to, to school there. And then we just were like, Atlanta's dope. Like, 
let's go there. And she was living down there. And so so yeah, it was kind of like. kind of had a reason. Like, yeah. Okay. She was like, yeah, come down here and live. You could live in and go. You guys go to school. So we're like, oh, at least we got somewhere to stay. Yeah, they had a dollar that's in a big, dream, literally. That's a big thing. Yeah. And then she was like, you guys got to get out. We're like, what, <laughs> wow. what the fuck? What? <laughs> you know, once again, like, you know, we're, you know, tough kids. We grew up in really tough environments. And through it also, we're like, we'll figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. we try to figure it out as long as we could. You know what I mean? But um, that's such a part of it, too, by the way. Like just figuring shit just out for as long out. as you yeah. can and just trust in that. It doesn't have yeah. to be perfect. But like getting through it and f- constantly figuring it out. That I, I just love that you said that. It's a yeah. Great, it's a great and quote. that was that's life. That's been my life. Even now. Yeah. It's just figuring it out. Yeah. As you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's always been like be resourceful, mm. figure it out, like make things happen. Like it's just, it's a survival. It really is survival. Absolutely. Man, because there was no, there was no safety net. No. I couldn't call my mom and say, yo, send me a thousand dollars. It's crazy when or, you have nothing that like how much the ego doesn't really exist. And also what's, you know what I'm saying? what's, what's wild is like you actually kind of had a safety net when you went out there. Cause you're like, Oh, this is a good. This is a good responsible decision. Yeah. We're gonna go out of Atlanta. I've got a place to stay. Yeah. I'm gonna go to school. You got it planned out. This is a good move. We had and it you go there, out. and it's like we had it figured chaotic. out for three days. Chaos, yeah, <laughs> chaos. And that just goes to show, like you could try to plan things in life, like as much as you possibly can. Yeah. And none of it really matters. No. Most yeah. of the time, none of it matters. Yeah. None. And and that's probably one of the greatest things that I've learned from like my mom and some family members is just like you just got to keep pushing through it yeah. like you know I, and it's it's a real testament and that's probably the biggest thing I picked up from my mom is like just her work ethic mm. you know and like which is you know can be a gift and a curse too because at the same time when you have so much like pride on certain things you will never ask for like help yeah. And you yeah. and you also, you know, don't admit when things are wrong. Like, sure. You know, I'm sure everybody thought we portrayed, you know, this is way before like social media and all those things. But they probably thought we were living it up out there, not knowing like we we're trying to figure out what to eat. Like, For sure. Trying to survive as much as possible. Um, so, you know, it was a short lived amount of time in, in Atlanta, but it was great. I mean, it was one of those things that was like. Damn! Like, if we can survive, uh, we good. Like, we're we're good, you know. Yeah. So, you know, um, <laughs> what ended up happening is when we figured out <laughs> the memory literally just like He's went like, right past <laughs> what had happened was yeah. yeah like the, we, we, we we just saw the memory just like flash like oh yeah. here it is. <laughs> we get past like the military thing and then we're like all right we got to go back we got to go back to Colorado and figure this shit out yeah. So we're like, this dude has been shady with us. We, like, we came. What really pushed us is we come home one day and there's an eviction notice on the door. <laughs> and we're like, we've been got, paying this guy rent money, and he has he's just been pocketing it. And then wow. we found out the car was stolen, so we're like, all right, we got to go back. But at this point, we're like, damn, this dude's a felon. Like, what if he? We're playing through all the <laughs> scenarios. Like, That's what crazy. if he sees us packing and he kills us? Like, what if? 
So we were coming up with all these contingency <laughs> plans. Like, my man is vouch for if, Like, we were like, if we need to kidnap him, if we need to, like, <laughs> no, all this crazy shit. Like, if we need what? to fight him, if like, shit gets wild. Yeah, and we need like, to you just... rush him, like, all this shit. Because he came home one day and he was came in the room and he could tell, like, all of our shit was packed. And we're like, damn, man. Like, if he starts wilding out, like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Like, so he ended y'all, up leaving. Y- y'all had schemes. Oh, like, we was ready. Dude, this is, yo, we were y'all ready. Y'all had A through Z. Like, we all right, but like, ready. if he comes into this side and then runs to the couch this way, like, you yeah. take him there, I take him there. Literally. Flat X, Y, Z. Yes. Literally, we were going through all these scenarios. Like, this is how we're going to get him if it goes down. And then we're like, you know what? We got to get out of here. So we get together as much money as possible. We get Greyhound tickets for like a couple days later. And then we're like, you know what? Let's trash this place. <laughs> <laughs> Kick holes in the walls. We destroyed his oh, TV. Wow. We turned the, all the like the gas on. We turned, we could have blew the place up. Like oh, yo, my God, yo, yo wow, we, we, we trashed this place, and then you know we end up leaving on the Greyhound, and even on the Greyhound, somebody tried to rob us. Wow. Really? And I had to pull a knife out. What happened on the Greyhound? Back to some dude like. I don't remember what city we were. We might have been in Dallas or somewhere. But this this dude like really was gonna try to was trying to stick us up. Because this is what thirty six hours you said. Yeah, you know. And you're on that bus. You don't like on that bus. Like you know, handled that. But then you know, all the Adrian stuff got stolen, and you know, just a crazy shit. But we were just so happy to be out of there, and we had each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one of those things you look back and you laugh like, yo, this is. That's a straight pursuit of happiness moment right there. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, we get back to Colorado and, you know, we start working. And luckily, like, my cousin Q had an apartment and he had an extra room. So we're like, we're going to rent this room for you. So it's back to, you know, back to business. Like, all right, let's start working. We're going to keep dancing and doing whatever. I started making music again. But, um, you know, it was a crazy just continue the chaos. You yeah. Know what I mean? But at, through all of it, we had our, we had each other, mm. you know what I mean? And so that, that was pretty much like, you know, back in Colorado, started doing music again, was working like crazy. Were we working just? I worked at Hobby Lobby. We worked anywhere we could. So you're, you're you know just what I mean? Picking up whatever job and you then, could. By the grace of God, I ended up landing like this um, position through one of our friends. I was a counselor for adults with developmental disabilities. Really? Yeah, he got me this job as like a case where I don't know how he got me the job. He had been working there for years. But um, the crazy thing is I used to help out in high school with some of the kids that had developmental disabilities. Interesting. Yeah, you know, it was just, it almost kind of felt near and dear to me also too because wow. my mom, even though hers was caused by a stroke, you know, I, I know, you know, what those what that felt like. Yeah. You know? So it wasn't much like, you know, I helped, you know, when I could and, you know, just being friendly to these kids. And, you had the empathy for yeah, it. Yeah. You know? And he got me a job and I was actually making good money. And it was the first time I had like 401k and health benefits and all this stuff. And at the same time, I'm still doing everything else. Like I had, you know, started. You went back to the chaos when necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, too, I forgot, like, when I was in high school, they had, like, this program for, like, kind of, like, bad kids where they sent a certain amount of them to start junior college. Mm. And I got selected for the program. 
And so I started, there was only a couple of different programs you could pick from. It was like radio broadcast, mechanic, dental, something else, and then criminal justice. And I went with criminal justice because they were like, you get to go to the shooting range and you get to do <laughs> autopsies and fingerprints and all that stuff. And I was like, all right, that sounds better than being a mechanic. <laughs> you know, but it wasn't like, I wasn't thinking of it as a sense of like, this is, I'm going to pursue this. Sure, sure. You know, but it was, you know, I ended up, you know, I would go to high school half the day and then college half the day. I'm 16 wow. years old. So by the time I got out of high school, I already had an associate's degree. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Um, so doing all these things in the midst of like, you know, living life and being a teenager and a kid and, you know, figuring out all those things. Just a lot of moving pieces. Sure. You know, um, but never stop going, never stop moving. And, you know, um, started picking up, like you said, music again became like a heavy thing. And, you know, we were really back in the studio recording. And now, were you producing, rapping? Just rapping. Just rapping. Yeah. But, you know, Stro was producing for us. Vice, my partner that was in my group, he was a dope producer. Um Another one of our best friends, um, Luke, who's still an amazing producer, but he's scoring films and stuff now. Mm. Um, so we had a ton of talented yeah, friends. Yeah, y'all had a hell of talent to those. Yeah. Spot. Yeah. So, you know, was doing that. And then by that time, like, you know, I was working and I was doing CNA work on like part time through another one of my friends. Like Crazy. I was just grinding. I was like yeah. stacking money. I bought a motorcycle. We I want to ask you this. During that period, like, it, it, it never was the slowdown, right? Were you finding a little more meaning in in yourself within those motions, or was it still just, just motions? Just motions, because, motions. you know, the, the tough part through that time is that I lost a sense of family. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so busy running around and staying busy and, you know, with the homies and making money that, you know, I wasn't visiting you know, my my parents, I wasn't, you know, staying in touch with my brothers and sisters. And by that time, you know, my sister was in the military and, you know, she was in one, one state. My other sister was in another state. You know, um, my brothers were doing their thing. And, you know, I, I lost a sense of myself, mm. you know what I mean? In the sense of like what got me through all those tough times I had abandoned, you know what I mean? For sure. And I was kind of like, you know, back on that island and you find you find things to keep you busy and you Absolutely. find people to keep you busy to, you know, when you're going through things because you don't want to face sure what's going through and whatever that was and I, and I can't necessarily say it was one thing, but I think when I moved to Atlanta, like I had the mindset instead of like you know what, that's in the past. Like, mm. I'm over that. Like, you know what I mean? I'm my own man now. And when I came back, it was just like this pride and ego and, you know, and... I'm going to make something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and I don't, you know, you're trying to prove something. Yeah. You know, you're constantly trying to prove something. And, you know, it was still like those times when you're just alone and you're like, what is going on? Like, you know, I had plenty of money. I had car I had a motorcycle I had a, a three thousand dollar fish tank like we were doing weed drop-offs you know back and forth to Denver like you know but even 
after that, me and Adrian had like a, a falling out. Really? You know, Why is that? Like he, we gave back, we got back, and then he decided to go to school up in Greeley, Fort Collins area, and you know he kind of fell into like the wrong crowd, so we kind of distanced mm. ourselves. You know, and um, that's crazy how somebody could fall into the wrong crowd, but you'd still be willing to distance yeah, yourself from that. Yeah, because it seems like you're always teetering that line. Always. And I think it was it needed to happen because we had literally been up under each other for so many years. Mm. And we were like hand in hand, like sure. together. And there just becomes a natural thing where it's just like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to do something. I want to be this. And, you know, he's he's six five. Like, he's always been an athlete. Like, he's blessed and gifted as an athlete. And he wanted to pursue that. Sure. You know, and, you know, he had the opportunity. And he went up there and made, a you know, some significant mistakes. And, um, you know, that time apart was crazy. And in between that time apart is when I had moved out here. Mm. But, um but even fat like back back to where we were talking about like you know trying to find everything it always came back to music like there was something that always came back to music like what, what was it really about music was it like an escape for you was it just a way where you can like kind of express who you were both yeah yeah it was and it the was something grace, that from bro. you know a young age like being around you know my grandma who was a phenomenal singer and you know, just growing up listening to so much music and dancing and, you know, it was always such a huge part of my life, you know, and I think I needed that break during like after I graduated high school and not being with the the group anymore and being under the thumb of my father, you know, that still made me like, and it was an amazing time for hip hop, you know what I mean? Like the the middle parts, late parts of the nineties and early two thousands and classic. Time. It was such classic and I was always still freestyling and writing and all that and then when we came back is when we formed our group and it was just like a new passion. Sure. You know, and we started doing, you know, performing again and at that time like uh my cousin and group Procussion, they were like really, really smashing stuff. They were opening up from everybody and you know, and then I just had that fire again, mm. and we came out with this song. We were like, we're going to produce our first vinyl. You know, we came out with a song called The Process, and it became like this underground smash. Wow. Like a real underground hit, and we're still living in Colorado, but we're getting calls from like, you know, the Cali radio stations and different people like, come, can you guys do this show Saturday? Can <laughs> da da da? Like, and we're like, we don't even live there no more. That's crazy, <laughs> you know. But and at the same time, like the percussions were really taking off, and they were like, you know what, we're making the move to Cali, and they got signed to Rockus, um, Rockus Records, and they were out here smashing it, and we were doing our thing, and the, the vinyl was moving. And we came out to visit him. And um, while we were out here visiting him, we signed a lease on an apartment. Stop playing. Like, just fuck it. They were living in Pasadena. And we came out here. And they were, same thing, living, like, cramped quarters. But they were making, you know, they were making some waves in the underground. And we are like, damn, we got to do it. And, And literally, like, we were like, Found a apartment in Alt in Arcadia, 
I mean, in uh, Monrovia. Oh, wow. And we signed a lease while we were out here and moved out a month later. Really? Yeah. You know, and that was another thing. Like, What, what was that moment? Just we're going to figure it out? Yeah, we're going to figure it out. Like, because, like you said, the, the vinyl was, the song was doing so good. And people were, you know, requesting us. We were doing radio interviews and people were trying to book us for shows. We're like, we, we, we can't just not be do here. It. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing there's nothing else for us out here. There's comfortability, but when you come from a whole life of not being comfortable, it doesn't phase you. No. Like we're like, okay, we're gonna pick up and leave. Yeah. Mm. I had a ton of money saved up. Um and we were just like, let's go. They had been, you know, the the boys had been out here a year before us and they were making so many connections, so you're like, let's do it. But it was still a tough decision because, you know, when you're in your comfort zone and, you know, by that time I had been at, you know, my job for a few years and I was dating this girl and there was just like a lot of things going on. And but I was like, I owe it to myself. Mm. Like this is my first time of actually making a move for not sure. under duress. Mm. You know, and that's not, wild actually to think about. Yeah, yeah. And not in no weird circumstances like eviction or the parents are moving somewhere. Like this is my first like cognitive like major move, you know? And that's crazy to we think. We did about. it. I remember we left February sixteenth. I remember because it was a blizzard. A blizzard. Like, it was a legit blizzard. <laughs> Yo. And I remember saying like the devil ain't taking this. <laughs> so normally it takes like 12 hours to get from Colorado to Cali. Yeah. It took us a couple of days. It took us like 12 hours just to get to, Me- to New Mexico. Wow. Because it was raining so hard. And I just remember driving like, damn, I'm going to die on this freeway oh trying to get God. to California. <laughs> you know? And at the time, my sister was living in Arizona. So we stayed with her one night. And that was my first time seeing her in a couple years. Wow. Um, and then we we made it out to Cali, and and we just hit the ground running. Like I want to ask you about just that decision, right? Like that, because that seems like a very pivotal moment in the start of a new beginning, if you will, right? To be like, yes, it's 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 really cool to have the money saved up. Yes, it's really cool to have the the song buzzing and also the squad already moving out there that has laid a little bit of the groundwork but still there's something where it's like look like it's it's now or 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 never sure right mm-hmm. and i feel like that was one of those moments if i'm wrong and correct me if i'm wrong but like i feel like that was one of those moments where like what allowed y'all to come out on a visiting trip and set up to come out the next month was like this is really our carp diem, like seize the moment type of opportunity, yeah. right? What was going through your head in making that decision and what allowed you to, whether it was be comfortable or not be comfortable with it, but like what allowed you to get through making that decision and leave the comfort zone behind and finally take that step of, well, if I'm going to embark in another like chaos scenario, at least I know what I'm getting into. Crazy. Yeah. As opposed to, okay, cool, I'm going to make this move. Oh, it just happens to be another shit show. Yeah. 
I think between like the restlessness I felt inside mm. and then this is where the weird like the contrast of you know when I had drifted away from the family and me and Adrian being apart and in, in some of those dynamics is that I didn't really have like that part of me holding me back mm. and then there was a driving feel of people saying like y'all only gonna be there y'all ain't gonna last out there mm. <coughs> I'll be right back here mm. because you know a lot of those small towns and places like that, it's like you go to school, you graduate, you go to college, you have some kids, you get married, you work. That's it. Steady job. Like, that's what you're taught. That's what you know. That's what people around you, you know, like you go back, you know, for in the first couple of years we were out here, you go back and it's the same people in the bars and all that. So there was like this weird driving thing that was just like. Oh yeah, I don't think I can make it. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And then I think the distance that <coughs> I kind of put between the family and all that allowed me also too to not have like that mom being like, "Don't leave," like the crutch. or you know, nothing that was really like holding me back in that sense. You know, my biological mom; she was living in Georgia. You know, at the time. So I, I didn't really have those those things, but I think it was just this restlessness where even though Colorado was home and the family and all that, I never felt comfortable there. I never really felt like I can see myself living here for the rest of my life. Like there was always something in me that was just like, I want more. For sure. I want more. Well, what's crazy you know? is like thinking about that when you, it's all about how we define comfort, Right. You, some people would think after Atlanta, and especially after the upbringing you have of just moving so much and going through so much chaos within family, within yourself, all this crazy shit happening, going to Atlanta, coming back and being in a place where it's like, finally, my life is normal. Finally, like, I'm secure. I, I could do this. You would think that you would stop there because you finally got yourself to a place where Things are peaceful. It's good and secure. Got a girlfriend. But as we think about how we define comfort, you actually might be comfortable in chaotic scenarios. Yeah. Like if you watch how you like listening to your story and how you grew up and the things that like you've been exposed to from your music group and your dad's like the discipline he infused in you and all the things you kind of did and bounced around and all these crazy opportunities and constantly in this like flux that actually might be where you're most comfortable because that's your home yeah you know what i mean yeah so when you talk about restlessness it's easy to think well how the hell could you be restless when you've got like everything secure in you and you could say yeah i mean i'm sure Clearly, part of it's going to be like, I want more. But I'm also sure part of it is, yo, I I can handle a lot more than mm-hmm. this. I'm actually way more comfortable and can thrive in these environments and survive it. Yeah. And I bring that up because a lot of people, in, including myself and just everybody, we're so bogged down a lot of the times by fear, Right. And it's easy to, it's so easy to do the comfortable choice. And it's so hard to do the scary choice, like the choice of any type of change. But for you, it's like, that's just been your life. Yeah. So it's, it's those, those, 
barriers and that fear isn't as heavy, you know? And I, I'm just so interested in like that dynamic of like how, where you actually thrive and the environments you need. It's, it's like when a fighter goes into a fight, like UFC fighter, I think of myself, y'all, there's no way I can get in a ring with someone and just like duke it out and break my nose and do it. But these fighters are so comfortable in there. Mm-hmm. That's not even a thought for them. Because yeah. when you've been knocked out before, like, you a know, a billion you can times, get it's out. not, you're not even right. thinking like that. So it's like, in your case, you've already gone through so much. Like, this isn't the a, such a big leap yeah. as to maybe someone listening to this may think it is. Yeah. I, I think when you have to make, adult decisions at such a young age yeah it just shifts it shifts your perspective for sure and like you said we operated in chaos from such a young age it was kind of normality yeah you know what i mean which is you look back on and you're like damn that was tough but you build a certain amount of resistance i mean resilience yeah Mm -hmm. and and now that you say that it is kind of weird that i do operate i'm not going to say better but I'm fine in chaos. Yeah. Because that's been my whole life. Sure. You know, even up to a year ago, you know. That's been the new normal. It's, it's been, you know, and, and I'm not saying that all the chaos was bad, but, you know, you learn, you you kind of learn how to just get through it and, you know, not really look at it as like, you know, and, and you know, to your, to what you're saying is when you've been knocked down so many times and you've, Taking an L like at such a year, young age, you're like, okay, fine. I'm I'm on my like 37th time getting up. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm not. I mean? You're not even thinking about getting knocked down. Like, like, not the at fear all. Fear of getting knocked down. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we have this mental time clock, where mm. and it's a lot of it is from the outside world where you're like, For sure. By the age of 24, you should be graduated by college. By the age of 26, you should be married and have kids and be in a secure job. By the age of 30, you know, nowadays, these days, it's like you should be a millionaire. You should Start, be, be living your ideal right. life. And so you're constantly throughout your life trying to measure yourself up to this unrealistic not unrealistic but to other people's it's a mirage though it is you know like there's no there's no book there's nothing that said this is how it should be this right. is the age that it should be you know and i remember Here's just telling a kid the other day like um at made in america he's working security but he was like dang man that's dope you get to work with all these people and i'm like it's a lot of work and he's like i want to get i'm like are you in school he's like i'm kind of taking a you know, a little time off. Like, he seemed down about it. I was like, yo, there ain't no time clock. Yeah. I'm like, as long as you working towards something, yeah. get there when you get there. You know, but figure out what you want to do and just keep working at it. For it's sure. Like, oh, man, I appreciate you telling me that. And I'm there's, like, one, there's one thing where, like, if you can find the strength to believe, whether it's yourself or in something, but if you if you're, like, match flame of belief can still be on there's there there's a chance there's a chance like and we all go through times where we blow our own shit out sure. you know what i'm saying like we all mm-hmm. go through that down and out like i've been through there a billion times over internally myself yeah. mm-hmm. i'm sure we all have but like so many of us are comparing where we want to go whether it's in a, a far down the line moment or even like in in our immediate f- future so many of us are comparing like our 
complete darkest, emptiest, and most like profoundly dark moments to idealisms, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes, as we said, it's just the ability to take another step. Mm -hmm. yep. And taking another step doesn't mean you're walking into a fucking mansion with a pool and 17 chickies like in bikinis. Taking another step may be just making that text or that phone call to the homie. Taking another step may be to like reach out to that person you spoke to nine months ago and have thought after like one month of not reaching back out like that you lost it. Like sometimes just taking that step is having the belief that there's still a possibility. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like yeah. I feel like especially in this day and age, so many of us lose that because everything is moving so fucking fast yeah. that it's like it's okay like it's okay at the end of the day like the 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 the, the slogan should really be it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like damn, I met this cat. He gave me an op. I was too scared to look myself in the mirror and make that call cuz I felt unworthy. It's okay that you didn't hit a motherfucker back. Yeah. Yo, dog, I feel this way, that way, the other like I I could take this opportunity, but I didn't make that move. I probably lost it. It's okay. Like, so many of us are comparing such absolutes to such fucking uncertainty. You uh, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's the one thing that I feel like I love hearing, especially, like, in, in, in this kind of area of your journey. And we're just, like, in, in the throes of the momentum starting, right? And who's to say where it goes and where it comes and where it re rebounds back to? But you have, you, you've shown this ability to, like, be able to whether it was okay or not to just move forward in the storm. Yep. Ooh. That's it. You know what I'm saying? That's That's it was good. And continue to do good. so though. But it's hard. It is. Cause there's yeah. been times in the fucking tornado that I've stopped and I've got swept up and like God knows where I ended up. Sometimes we'll end up way back yonder or sometimes we'll end up right in the same fucking place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you were literally moving forward in that blizzard and storm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and moving forward, you know, and that all comes with Moving a price, in general. You know, but as long as you're moving. Yes. As long as you're moving. Yes. You'll, you'll, you'll get to where. It you, may be the shuffle sidestep. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in. Your timing and God's timing are completely different. For sure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the reason I'm where I am right now is because this is where he wants me to be right now. For because sure. I couldn't have been a blessing to anybody five years ago, mm -hmm. four years ago. Because mentally and within myself, I wasn't where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And if you always look at yourself as like you're still a work in progress. Yeah. Like I'm always, until I leave this earth, I'm going to be a work in progress. Sure. But the difference is, is like when you hit a place to where you're able to talk to people and express your feelings and really open up and, you know, be willing to learn and, you know, and willing to admit mistakes and ask for forgiveness and also forgive. You know, we live in a generation also too is where, we want people to forgive us, but we don't want to forgive people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was a big thing. I had to learn to forgive myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and I had to learn to forgive people around me that I felt hurt me or sure. did wrong by me. You know, because for every one of those person that I felt that way, there's probably six people that felt that way about me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Factual. And that could have been something major. It could have been somebody that I just gave attitude to. So... 
you know, you have to start with yourself. And I think forgiving myself and really looking in the mirror and allowing myself, like, I remember probably one of my bigger moments is when I finally, like, after my grandfather passed away, still, like, I didn't even cry when he passed away because I remember when my grandmother passed away, I was, like, sobbing and crying. We were in the back of the limo, and, and he told me to shut up. He's like, you got to hold it down for the family. Don't be crying. Mm. And when he passed away, I remember that. So I'm the one, like, holding it down. But then I remember coming home one night from drinking and I literally walked home probably like a couple miles just drunk for whatever reason. And I remember like breaking down and that was the first time I had like cried in like three years and it felt like such a weight lifted off my shoulders. For sure. And I didn't have to wake up and talk to anybody about it, but I allowed myself to grieve Mm. and you know, I allowed myself to have a real conversation with me. Um, in that moment. And you need those moments for sure. You know what I mean, like you need those moments where it, <coughs> it, it can be just you and you have a heart to heart with yourself for you sure. Cry or you yell or whatever you do. But a lot of people aren't real with themselves. Yeah. And it's like, if you can't be real when you're at home by yourself and you can't be, but like, a lot of us don't know how to exactly. Right. Like it's, it's hard to like, even put that in a perspective when we haven't given ourselves the chance to. You know what I'm saying? Because some of us can, it's possible to live through life and find it hard to be at one with ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Just like even, you know, going through your journey as a youth, like even within all that chaos, there was never really a moment of like clarity up until, you know, who knows? Yeah. Because so many of us like, again, like that it's okay, like, it may not have happened yet for us to like reach that certain type of point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and for so many of us, it happens at different times. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like just the ability to be vulnerable to some degrees and like finally give ourselves to that moment. That moment is so different for so many of us, but like mm-hmm. we essentially have to live life to reach yeah. whatever the fuck that moment is. Yeah, and it's still hard for me to be vulnerable in for sure. situations, you know what I mean? For sure. And it's something that, you know, uh, there are some people that are extremely vulnerable and will cry and, like, you know, every single time they go through something, they need to talk to somebody and seek counsel. And then there's people that are, like, will go their whole life without doing it. And it's yeah. something that I've learned, you know, a few years ago is that, you have to start dealing with your baggage. Yeah. yeah. Or else it's just going to mount up, mount For up, sure. mount up, mount up, mount up. And however that is that you deal with it. I went to therapy for the first time maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. Sure. In my whole life, I thought therapy was a sign of weakness. Of course. Like, oh, if you go to therapy, something's wrong with you. And yeah. that's a weak sign of weakness. But there was something real liberating about speaking to somebody who knows me, who I'm a stranger to. And has no judgment. No judgment. And who's a professional who could help you see things from another yeah, perspective. And, and, and that's the biggest thing that I came out of it. I didn't know what to expect, but I was like, <clears throat> wow. Like, I left, like, it shifted how I was looking at things. It didn't change what I was going through. For sure. It didn't give me all the answers, but it allowed me to look at it through a different lens. Yeah. And sometimes you just need that. You need your lens shifted. You know, you need to be able to look at it through a a different perspective 
and you may be able to find like some light in it. Like, wow, maybe there's a reason I'm going through this or maybe, you know, and, and that's the beauty of like (laughs) human interaction when you really have, you know, close friends around you or even people that may not be that close, but that can offer some sort of different, you know, perspective for you. For sure. And, and that's why people through this social media, you know, life that we're living now, nothing will replace human interaction. Yeah. None. And that's probably the biggest reason I've been able to survive and stay relevant for so many years is that I I love people, yeah. you know, and I love learning from people and I love human interaction and I love like, you know, you can't replace that. Right. You know, like you, we meet hundreds of people through, you know, you'll go now, you'll, you've, there's probably like 800 people that you've known on social media for five years and you probably will never meet. Yeah. Which is cool. But at the same time, like there's something really amazing about being able to sit down for and sure. have a real conversation with people. Cause what I realize now is like everybody's vote. Anybody could be vocal on social media, but then you sit down with some of these people and they couldn't hold a conversation in a bucket. Yeah. You and know even, what I mean? And even Go through people. your followers. T- tell me one thing that happened in their childhood. <laughs> well, and that's, and, and even so, you know, and one, one thing we talk about like with this uh, platform is it's so crazy how you don't even have to go that far in terms of like your degree of separation from somebody. Just pick like somebody who you're already really close to and ask yourself, do you really know their story? Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be like the third or fourth or fifth degree away of like, yeah, I know that person and we're cool and we know each other through work. I don't really know who they are. But sometimes just the people we know well, it's even a hard time to have those conversations yep. and open up and really talk about and learn things. And that's been like one of the biggest beauties about this is like people will hear someone's episode and say like, man, I've known you for 20 years and I had no clue about yeah. any of that. I'm sure you'll probably get that oh, too. For sure. I don't and think I've ever talked about like even being adopted and like a lot of those things, but you know, I, I think, you know, we've spoke about it before. Like what good is, you know, your past experience or things that you've been through. If you're not, if you can't share it to where somebody may be able to look at it and be like, wow, for sure. Dang. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, we're, we're in such a place where it's like so much is about perception. Yeah. So much. Like, yeah. You know, we were just talking about it. Like people often ask you what you do before who you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just how we're programmed. Yeah. So we yeah. got to show up every day, you know, step into this world with the perception we want. And that's very fucking different than our past. Yeah. You know? I mean, people even address people by their Instagram handles or they'll ask for like your Instagram before a number. Like it's, it's crazy. Like you Insane. said, we live in a, a world where you're almost de- defined by like how many followers you have. Like, you know, and you see it with work and everything. It's like, well, how many followers does that person have? It's, it's crazy. like, no, but if you were in real life, yeah. in the real streets and asked about this person, everybody knows who yeah. you are. Yeah. What's the influence What's that the they influence? carry? What's the influence? Yeah, you know, so it, it's pretty crazy. But I, I feel like we grew up in like the greatest era because we lived during no technology, the cusp of technology, sure. and then now all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we learn how to be resilient. Yeah. When you, 
you know, actually had a pager or when you there was a party, <laughs> you were going, you yeah, know what I mean? Like for sure. or you had to figure out where to get things. Yeah. You got things, you know, if you saw something in the magazine, like we had to figure shit out the in East our East Bays of the world. Yeah. East Bays and like the sources. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, we had to literally figure stuff out. Yeah. You yeah. know, so and I think like our era, we just we know how to communicate because that's all we had. So, yeah. You know what I mean? We didn't have in high school, we weren't texting with each other. Like you had a pager or you had nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then when the first flip phones came out, it was like the T nine, but you know, You're by then snake you, on your Nokia, like, <laughs> like how crazy like we the legit, gaming world got. You weren't if we were at if we were in the nineties or early two thousands with each other in a room, we'd be actually hanging out because there was none of Yeah. This. Yeah. You know, like we're you know, at the church that we go through, they're doing a whole series on technology. My daughter's three and a half years old and she navigates through the phone and with ease. With ease. And it's it's great, but at the same time it's like when you go places and there's families and everybody's on their phone. The mom's on the phone, the dad's on the like phone, you, the grandma's you're, on the you're phone. At the dinner's kid. like this. Yeah, this is dinner. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's you crazy. Uh huh. And it's like we have to learn to unplug a little bit because sure. if not, we're we're just dumbing down like year after year. Like, yeah, these kids are technology smart, yeah, but they have no idea how to interact with humans, yeah, and that's a scary thing. You know what I mean? Like, and who knows what how things are going to be ten, fifteen years from now, but. You know, I want my child to grow up and know how to speak and know how to interact. interact and be able to carry a conversation with an adult or, you know, those kind of things. So, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, you just learn, like, you know, you just have to embrace everything you grow through in life. For sure. The good, the bad, the ugly, and you just got to learn how to, to apply it. You know, take whatever pieces you can and apply it to life. For and, sure. You know, and, and figure out, you know, a big part of life is just navigating. Absolutely. You know, and that nobody's immune from that. The richest guy, the poorest person, like nobody's nobody's immune to like anything that goes on. Facts. You know, and if you don't have like, you know, that that light that can kind of every once in a while, even if it just, you know, clicks on twice, you're like, okay, there it is again. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. It's been dark for a while, but then I just saw like a little, you know, for sure. said, and that's, that's it. Like you have to find that, that, that spark or something in you. Like you said, it's like, damn, I was going through it, but okay, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. I'm back. I'm back. Sometimes, and that is so funny. That like just needs to be a small spark. Yeah. That's it. Like you're like, Oh, there actually is some here. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And speaking of navigating, like how'd you start navigating Los Angeles when you touched down? Yo, I mean, it was the, the cool thing was that, you know, the fam was out here for like a year. So they had some connections. In place. Yeah. But then we came, they were living in Pasadena and there was a, a streetwear shoe boutique called Gray One um, in Pasadena and, you know, I've always loved sneakers and all that stuff. So, you know, we went in there and we were getting ready to go on like our first tour. And the owner at the time, Jerry Ming, who's. Wow, big you Jerry. Know, one, of, wow. I mean, one of the biggest blessings, my mentor, one of my mentors. You know, he's like, 
just opened up his arms to us. And he's like, well, when you guys aren't on the road, work here part time. Wow. And he printed up like our first tour T-shirts for us. And this is just off of like. That's crazy. You know, love. Like, yeah. Introduced, you know. Through That's totally the type of guy he is. Yeah. Too. Like, wait. Completely. So. You know, he introduced me to so many people. Like, I mean, that's when I, you know, first met Nick Diamond and mm-hmm. I first met the guys from Crook. This is like wow. the inception of like crazy. streetwear. Wow. That's this crazy. is 2003, 2004. You know, um, this was like the beginning of it. Yeah. So, you know. And between, you literally came into the Nexus. Yeah. And then we, you know, back then uh, record pools were the huge thing. And we serviced our record to Cali Kings. And at the time, Cali Kings had all the DJs. They had A-Track. They yep. had Graham Funky. They had <laughs> fucking Homicide. They had, um, you know, the Baker, bro- the Baker Brothers. Wild. Um, you know, rest in peace to Frank V. Um, but they had everybody. And this is when they were spinning vinyl. And we connected with this DJ at the time, DJ Downlow, who was also based in Pasadena. Mm. But he was spinning, like, the dopest clubs in Pasadena. So he's like, come out. I want to treat you guys out. And we're like, what? It was like our first time being in a club in LA. And I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. (laughs) He's like spinning our records. And he really took us under the wing. And through that, I met DJ Rectangle. And Rectangle was the first person to take me out the country. I was like his personal MC. You know, and we met him through, you know, just networking. Yeah. Right? yeah when you yeah, were yeah. forced to talk to people and you've built those relationships. So, you know, he he was the first person to take me out the country. And, you know, we were touring doing our music. And then, you know, I was touring with him. And then we we're working at Grey One and meeting all these streetwear people. And then Jerry, you know, was like, had a, he had the only Asian promotion company, him and Doug Wu the only Asian promotion company in Hollywood back then. And he's like, yo, if you want to make some extra money, work my doors for me at the clubs. Mm. And this was like when Garden of Eden and like, yeah. wow. All these, <laughs> yo, like, LA during that time. Yeah, that's yo. when LA Damn. clubbing was like, yeah. Like real this stuff now? Yeah, nah. I feel you. Damn. But, um, that was an era. I was a little like junior high, like early high school student, like, Hearing of the big homies in Orange County coming up to these yeah, spots. Yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, working his doors from just anything to make some mm-hmm. extra money to, to make sure we weren't working at like. For sure. You know, to be able to focus on music. Yeah. And Y'all were still in the cut in the culture, though. Still. Like. Still. And he was just club, exposing. Streetwear joints. Like. Just all of it. And you don't, yeah. you're not paying attention to that because it was just what work. it was. Yeah. It was work. It was, we were doing what we loved. We were hanging around people. We were in the clubs. Our music's getting played. And, you know, he really took me under his wing. And then I started meeting, like, you know, a bunch of different people. And then I started booking, like, parties and stuff. And was really just kind of killing it through the music and just meeting people and networking. And then, He's like, yo, we want to make you a partner of the promotions company. Um, it was called Usual Suspects. It was myself, Jerry, Rishi, and um, Alan, Alan Palos. And, you know, it was like I'm the first Filipino, you know, promotion company. And, and so I was like honorary Filipino guy. <laughs> so that was like my first like infusion into like the Filipino culture. Yeah. Know? 
because Jerry was also heavy into that. His partner Arnold, which you know Arnold was spiritual. Yeah. You know, um, they were all Filipino cats, you know, and so I was running with them and doing the promotion stuff and still doing music and. You know, we had got a record deal through um, Avatar Records, which was distributed to Universal. And One Block Radius was signed to that label, which is Marty James and all those wow. guys. And that's when I first met Tunji. Tunji was um, like working Tons, street bro. team, like for college for Universal, because one of our best friends was working at Universal. Crazy. Uh, he was still doing music back then. Yeah. So we were just meeting like all these people who are big time now you know what i mean yeah but it was all of us growing up together yeah you know what i mean and you you like insane you that sit was, back and you're like how the fuck it's so weird when you think about la at the time because it was so connected through music yeah you know yeah and that's where like fashion crossed especially streetwear and like it was so such a small city when you were in it like that. Yeah, like everybody was one degree of separation. Yeah, it was in to be if, to think about that in such a big city. Yeah, but like you're talking about that era. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like I met Tunji uh, in like 2006 or mm-hmm. seven, maybe. Um, Doing an open mic as a host, open mic at this thing called Soul Sessions. Yeah, yeah, we performed a lot of times at Soul Sessions. Really? Yeah. yeah. Likewise, I was yeah. in a band at the time. Okay. Soul Sessions, like yeah, yeah at Fade Odo and yeah, uh, also in Chinatown, yeah. like yeah. yeah. So, you, so and that and so many things spawned from that, and just like the LA culture was something was in the water during that time because yeah. it was like so crazy. LA connected. Symphony and like yeah. all these guys like. I mean, there was just so much, um, there was so much music and so much culture going on. Yeah. And like I said, it was all like intertwined, you know, we were doing stuff with like Ugly Duckling oh and like, God. um, Bro. just so many people, man. It, it was just, you know, kind of, you know, you met people and then they vouched for you and then you started working with these people and these people, you know, and then, um, we came out with our first our debut album in 2006, you know, which did pretty good, but the label was just in a horrible place. Like they were the guy that owned it. Super shady cat. He probably, he still owes us a ton of money. Mm, yeah. we'll, we'll never see. But, you know, at the time you're like really bitter about it. But, you know, by the time the album came out and, you know, we were touring and doing things, you know, I had so much other stuff going on. Sure. It was like, okay, but once again, I had the passion for it, you know, was, it was in a dark place. Um, but I kept, kept moving, kept moving forward. We're like, oh, we can't release music because we're in this label dispute and just keep focusing on the promotion. I'm working, you know, I had started working with Brook at Brooklyn projects with Dom. We were promoting, you know, different clubs like national and hollies and like all these things but and that but that was like the who's who of like yeah fashion and streetwear now (laughs) and that's when bottle service first was kind of popping off like it was it was crazy times man like i've been in a lot of crazy situations (laughs) like we could probably do seven episodes (laughs) um you know so just navigating through it we definitely had a lot of help you know, and the same thing, like there was 
ups and downs and chaotic times and, you know, you're trying to figure yourself out through this and that. But, you know, I always had like good people, you know, around me that were teaching me the ropes and like, you know, allowing, allowing me time to figure things out. And, you know, in between those times, there was couches I was crashing on and, you know, same thing with me and my partner that we're in a group with same thing, best friends for like 20 some years, but we had been up under each other for like eight, nine years and we had a falling out. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't talk for like over a year. You know, we weren't doing any music. We weren't speaking. I was doing my thing. He was doing his thing. But, you know, once again, like sometimes you need that space yeah, to grow and to figure things out and to kind of, you know, figure out your own way. For sure. And, you know, I never, I never, we, we ended up recording a, a new album. We, we finished a new album that we never released. So we have like a 15 song album that's been done for <coughs> a few years, but we never released it. And we talk about releasing it just, you know, for the hell of it. But after we recorded that album, my passion for recording music just wasn't there anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I've been for doing sure. it for my whole life pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, creatively, it was a tough pill to swallow. You know, we we weren't around, like, you know, during the SoundCloud era and, like, all those things. Like, maybe the end of it once we finished that album, but it was just different. It was yeah. just different times, and the passion wasn't there. And I love music so much that there was no way I could half-ass it. I feel you. And I didn't have the passion enough to do a solo thing. I thought about it like, you know what? Maybe I'll just do a solo situation. But I was so far removed from it and doing other things that I just couldn't do it. And and from there I started, you know, learning more of the ropes on marketing and, you know, um, doing independent like promotions and, you know, things like that. And I was like, this is cool. Like, you know, I'm still involved in music, you know, from a different side of things. And I'm still working in fashion, which is weird because, you know, besides music, like my plan a thousand percent was just music when I came out here. I had enough tunnel vision. Yeah. I'm going to, we're going to come out here. We're going to make <coughs> albums. We're going to tour. We're going to, yeah. because my cousin and them's group had some pretty good success. They had toured the world multiple times. They were on Sony Rockets. They had songs with Talib Kweli. They were doing all these things, and we had a fraction of that. So that was even tough. Like, damn. Shout out to at these moments. Like the the sirens come only. Like you know it's wild. The sirens come at these moments. <laughs> always. Like the pivotal joint. Always. No, it, 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 it's, it's every time. They, like, every single they time. They understand like, it. They know. Run it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he talking about that now? All right, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Set cool. him out. You know. So once again, like the pride in you is like, damn. Like how come you know we didn't get to where we needed to be. Like maybe we shouldn't have signed that. All these doubts come in. Like For sure. I remember the first like week we we're here, we're on the wake up show. Mm. You know, having a battle against like Mr. Fab oh, and like wild. all these people. Like Amazing. um but you look at all these moments and then once you get over, you know, the initial like pride and shock and like sadness of like damn, this didn't really pan out how it was supposed to be. Then it's back to like, all right, let me figure this out. 
It's, <laughs> go ahead. I was just saying, man, I went through a very similar experience. And when you get to that point of, uh, did you struggle with, one, the decision, um, which, I mean, it sounds like it was just kind of undeniable, you know, and for, for anyone that's like an aspiring artist right now who's on that path, like this is not meant to discourage any of that. This isn't like if you, it's, you're not saying unless you get to this point, if you don't get to this point, quit. It's, it's not about that. Like you just kind of know. Yeah. Like you know when you're like, no. Yeah. And when you said that's a tough pill to swallow, like talk a little about that because it's got to be not just like in a career way, but your identity, this is something your identity is wrapped up into. This is something like every decision you've made for X amount of time, all the dreams, all your thoughts, all your patterns, all your habits, all your network, everything that you've identified with in the whole community that's around you is based upon this path for you. Yeah. So it's not just like, I'm going to start making, stop making music. It becomes like, who am I and what am I going to do? Yeah. Like, is that, is, is that some of the stuff like you really had to experience yeah. and take a step back with? For sure. And then there's also the question like, damn, was I just not good enough? Mm. For sure. Yeah. Did I just, did I not dedicate enough time to it? Was I doing too much? Mm. But then, yeah, the reality sets in like, and it wasn't the, it wasn't even a money thing. It wasn't like we were making all this money. Cause like I said, they were, they were juking us. Yeah. But it becomes, once again, it, like pride always pays a part in it. Like, how do you face people and say, oh, I'm not doing music anymore? Yeah. Or, you know, like now you're just working at a shoe store, you know what I mean? Or now you're just a club promoter, you know? So all these things are going through your mind. But the biggest thing is that this is something that you lived and breathed and you gave up everything for. Yeah. And now you're looking at it like, I'm walking away from this, mm. you know, and there was always still a point in me that I was just like, damn, am I, am I giving up? Yeah. Until you reach a level of comfortability with yourself that says, no, you're not giving up, but you're moving on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's when you can find some peace in that. And a lot of times I feel like people, whether it is, is it, it's okay sometimes when you have to walk away from things. It's okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, you said, there's nothing wrong with taking an L. For sure. Sometimes you got to take, like, that L, and maybe it's a series of things that happen to make you find, like, what the, the next passion is. And, you know, I think people sometimes think that you're only allowed to have, be passionate about one thing. Yeah. Or, you know, like, if you have multiple things you're passionate about, you're half-assing. You know, but it was it was it took me a couple years to really and there was always still moments in there. Like I'd see people perform and I'd be like, yo, that dude's ass. Like, <laughs> what? Bro, Are you kidding me? I, I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't when I stopped music, like I could I was telling you, I couldn't go to concerts for like a couple of years because I, I was dealing with like exactly like you're jealous, you're every like, man, I would tear it up. What the fuck? How's this yeah. fucking clown? Like you you have all these fucked up feelings. Yeah, and then you start seeing people that you grew up coming up with starting to get that success. Like, I remember when Aloe Black broke, 
And we used and to he, run around. But he been in the game for forever. And these are guys we were performing at Zen Sushi with, and like <laughs> all these like things. Yeah. And you know, we 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 recorded our first song at the Black Eyed Peas, you know, at Will I Am Studio when he had it in Glendale. Wow. We were working with poet named Life, and like so we we were around all these successful people. That were like on the cusp of 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 like blowing up, like even the Black Eyed Peas, and yeah. like some of those have been around. It. So you then that kicks in, like did I give up too too soon? Yeah, did we walk yeah. away too soon? You know, and it, it's something that you know, and I can't front. Like there's even still some time I miss being on stage. Of course, you know, and I I still listen occasionally to our new album. I'm like, this is still dope, but at the same time, I know where my muse is and I know where I can be the most help to other people is mm. on this side of things. Mm. You know what I mean? And you know, it's crazy though. Like on the same token, you were actually extremely fortunate to have linked up with and have grown with Titans in the game. A thousand percent. Cause like all of those yeah. like musicians that may have or may not have become successful in their craft. A lot of the cats that you came up with on the streetwear and fashion side of thing had blossomed into titans in their craft, which allowed your ability to grow within that network and move and also understand the side of the business that a lot of people don't get that opportunity. Like There's so many artists or athletes or whatever it may be that are so narrow-minded in their pursuit that when... When they get out, whether it's forcibly or something that can't happen, they're like, what do I do? Yeah. I know nothing but the craft. I know nothing but the sport. Yep. Yeah. But the one of the, the, the most beautiful things about this road along the way is that you had to support your life while pursuing the craft. Yeah. So within that sphere of things, fortune had it for you that you started meeting cats within this like fashion and marketing and just like culture space of like clubs, clothing and just apparel and just culture in general and music that like all of these things actually continue to blossom yeah. into what the culture is today. And it, it was, it, it's what makes me successful now Yeah, is all that stuff. Yep. And you know, I just look at it as like God has opened so many doors. And then I think like, what if I had a, Moved to New York instead of L.A. Or what if my fam, my cousins and them, their group, they never came out here and didn't live in Pasadena, and I never met Jerry. You know, what yeah. I mean? like you look at all these things, and I don't, I don't believe in luck. I believe that's God's design. But at the same time, He'll open doors, but it's still your job you to walk, through, walk it. through it and navigate it. You know what I mean? Because my cousin and them had been living in Pasadena for a year. They didn't have that relationship with Jerry like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But so, you know, the opportunities sometimes, I feel like there's opportunities for everybody, but it's how you navigate it. Because I I know people who born and raised in L.A. and we all know all the same people and they may, may even know even more people and have a closer connection. But for some reason, they're in a, situation where they can't figure things out yeah you know and sometimes you have to step back and reevaluate for sure you know like your strategy for and, sure and how you're going about things and you know um i also think like you you have to figure out too like 
you have to stop almost like projecting what you feel is success. Mm-hmm. Like in thinking about like, all right, I'm going to be a musician. So this is the path and I got to get there. Like one of the things I like Anusha and I talked about is like maybe the many, many years of me pursuing being a musician and a band and all this stuff was literally only to meet Anoush as my band was breaking up. So eight fucking years later, we can do this podcast. And maybe that's like why that happened. Yeah. But at that, like, if you get yourself out of the state of mind of thinking that you actually have power over what happens in your life and thinking like, oh, this is happening because of this. You, everything right now might be happening for what's going to happen. Yeah, 10 years now. Yeah, for 10 sure. years yeah. from now. Whatever that is, you have no clue. And if you like live with that kind of thought, it's actually very freeing. Yeah. And you can start accepting all those things in your path rather than regretting them. Yeah. For sure. I mean, you summarized it like beautifully and and that's where I've just been able to operate you know throughout pockets in my life but lately really strongly is just like where you land is where you're supposed to land yeah man. you know and it may be five years out you know and I even think about my journey to past like you know four to six years you know it, it's it's been a series of like you know, just events that have led up to something. But one thing I can say is that the majority of things and opportunities has been because somebody will vouch for me. For sure. Somebody will say like, yo, that's a solid cat. Like he does good work. Yeah. You know, and, and I always tell people like bad news, good news travels fast. Bad news travels way faster. For sure. And I learned that at a young age, like, you know, people say, yo, don't burn bridges, but it's not necessarily that. But sometimes you just have to learn to just keep just keep moving, you know, because you never know. Like that person that you shit on can be the same person five years from now that could open a door for you. Yeah. hundred And you're at their mercy. Are this is this person a forgiven person or as soon as they see their your face, they're going to be like, no. Yeah. You know. And so I always tell people, like, if somebody does you wrong, just keep it pushing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that that's more like a testament, you know, to, you know, my faith in, like, just trying to be a better person and also just trying to be an example, you know, especially to, like, once you have a kid, it shifts your perspective in that way also, too, that you're constantly, like, under a microscope, yeah. And and it's also not about you anymore. It's not. Oh. I'm working for her now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and not necessarily just on a financial standpoint, but I have I'm the first line of defense for her growing up and how she's going to move and operate and how yeah. she's going to treat people and yeah. how she's going to look at things when she goes through hard times and I'm equipped now, you know what I mean, to help her get not to get her through these things, but help her yeah. get through these tough times yeah. and the happy times and just to learn to be grateful throughout it all. For sure. You know, and, and that's one thing I can say now at this age is like, and when you're going through it, you, nobody can sit there and say they're grateful for when they're going through a tough time. Maybe when you get a little bit older and you're like, okay, this is a season in my life. 
I know how to navigate a little more. But the older you get and the more shit that you go through, you do find the beauty in like for sure these hiccups and these. It's kind of like that Steve Jobs <laughs> uh, speech at Stanford graduation, where it's like you can only really connect the dots when you're looking back at them. Oh, man, I just literally <laughs> reflected on that quote yesterday. You know what I mean, though? Like, literally. Because like, we're placing them as we go. Yeah. Right? And it, it's a trip for me. And even, Rashi talk, y'all talking about the band shit and me, like, thinking about even my path and, like, management and just, like, tour managing and all that. Like, sometimes, like, there was a cat, James Supreme, that came on here. And he was talking about his process. And, like, when he felt empty, he kind of had to go within himself to find the strength. And, like, it's a trip. And even just Roushi talking about maybe some of these things happen to where it's meant for what we're doing now. Yeah. Like, there was times where I literally look, listened to his story and be like, bro, like, if I would have done things differently or felt differently internally, it would have been different. But maybe it wasn't supposed to be that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all have to really, like, go through our journeys. And the only time we can really appreciate and also grow is when we're able to look back and see what we've become. Mm-hmm. That's also one of the most beautiful things for me about what I like. our intention is for this podcast is that so many of us are just running to let's be successful or let's catch the next. Like everybody's trying to like run, 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 run to like new heights and all this shit. But like when do we ever pause, right? Like that's the beautiful thing about your journey also is that like Along the way, it was all chaos. And there was no moment where you stopped and were like, hold on, what's going on? It would just continue running into chaos. Yeah. But sometimes we have to stop. And like the calm within the storm allows us to really figure it the fuck out. Yeah. And rarely do we, especially cats of our nature or somebody like people within, especially the media and entertainment business that we're all in these fashions and these musics and this culture driven uh, career paths. So many people <coughs> are focusing on networking, connecting and, and uh, rising to the occasion. But like motherfuckers aren't stopping and just being like, who have I become? Yeah. Because everything that has happened to us in life allows us like forms who we become. Yeah. Right, you'd be a completely different person if your childhood was different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You'd be a completely different person if you stayed in Colorado instead of came out to L.A. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All of these things accumulate into who we become, but we don't really get to appreciate that unless we pause for a second, yeah, and like look over our shoulder and be like, "Damn, yeah, yeah." You and, know what and, I mean? And, and and we can't we can't time that like even like and, and we can't dictate that. Like, there was something in you at that moment that you were like, fuck it, I'm going to L.A. Yeah. What if what if something happened earlier that you didn't make it to, like, that, that trip? You know what I'm saying? What if something went down that motherfuckers couldn't make it? What if you weren't at that spot where you met Jerry Meng that, that day? Well, that's, Maybe that's the, the next day he wasn't as like, yo, what's up? Ooh. Yeah. It's a trip. Well, everything, like, and that's crazy, everything in your life had to happen. Yeah. Like the good, the bad, the worst, everything had yeah. to happen exactly the way it did to get and and that's when you exactly and perfectly in and this imperfection perfectly. of this universe they had yeah. to happen perfectly and, for and, us to be here. And when yeah. you when you say you have to stop and like 
realize that you do have to pause. Like as we're going in that, you have to pause and, and be grateful for all that too. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, you got to find beauty in the chaos. Yeah. You know, and which you have to find like those things that what the foundation is that, that keeps you moving. Yeah. And it changes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it could be family. It could be friends. It could be personal ambition. It could be money. It could be, I mean, we all go through it. You know, we, there's, you know, it's um, just the journey of life. Like, your goals change, your state of mind changes, you know, but you have to find what that is, you know, and you, that just keeps you, keeps you going for sure. You know, because at the end of the day, all you could do is just live it to your, to your, your best capability, you know, and hopefully you learn along the way. And, you know, like we talked about when we were on the phone, it's like, you know, for me, the end, the, the 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 sweet spot is being able to teach, and being able to share my experience, and being able to pass the information that I've learned down, you know, to people, and you know, hopefully, some people find you know something in it that helps them get through something for sure. Because you know, it to me, that's the only thing that really matters. You can't take none of this stuff with you, Mm-mm. you know. But you do have the ability to share your story, and maybe that has one kid go like, damn, okay, I need to shift. Or, you know what? I was feeling really down about that, you know, this L that I took, but you know what? It, it's cool. Like, yeah. you know, and, and well, I was feeling really sorry for myself, but snap yeah, the fuck out of it. Snap out of it. You know what I mean? Because it's cliche to say, but there's <laughs> always somebody who has it worse. Than always. You. Always. Yeah. And even somebody who has Bro, it worse. Bro, we're not in that. Syria right now. Let's exactly. just like put it there. Exactly. You know, so... I mean, it's just been it's been a quite the journey, amazing journey, and I'm you know God willing, I'm just I feel like I'm starting again. I yeah. literally feel like I've lived a lot of lives, and you know I've just been blessed to, like I said, everything that happened in my life was supposed to happen. Yeah. And at that time, you know, I'm pr- pretty sure I was like, why is this? Why is this happening? Like, yeah. Again, why is this happening again? Why am I going through this again? Again, 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 you know what I mean? And, you know, but you keep pushing through and you keep figuring out and you'll learn, you know, to be resilient and, you know, don't be afraid to, like, tap in to people and use your resources and be vulnerable and just really, like, don't lose self through it all. For sure. You know what I mean? Because... Once you lose that, that's when the hope really goes. For sure. You know what I mean? Because as much as people say money motivates and all that stuff, there comes a point in time where it's like the money's not enough. Yeah. You know, the club's not enough. Yeah. The drinking's not enough. The weed's not enough. Like, you know, what is it really? Like, because all those things are byproducts. Yeah. You know what I mean? They come, they go. But at the end of the day, like, what is it that really motivates? For sure. You know, because... Like, you look at Jeff Bezos, he's worth a trillion dollars. Yeah. Do you think, like, his motive, his motivation is just money? No. no, no, no you know no. what I mean? I'm sure he has tons of other plans and things that, other, that make him wake up in the morning, you know? So, 
you know, from the richest guy to the poorest guy, there's something, it has to be something within you. For sure. Know, that get, that keeps you pushing. You know what the craziest thing is too? Like that, that just got me thinking like, whether you're the richest or you're the poorest, one thing we do have the ability to do is look in the mirror and try and find out who we are. No amount of money will stop us from being able to reflect on self. Rarely do we ever, like until times of duress, start thinking about that notion, right? Mm -hmm. And like cats like us, it's like, but like thinking about it, it's like, Finding oneself, you have to do that within oneself. Your crew and your squad and the people that you surround yourself with can give you tastes of who you could become. But who we are internally is within us. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the more readily and the earlier that we're able to start giving ourself our own identity, that really dictates who our circles become. Yeah. One thing that I think, like, especially, like, in these, like, high traffic areas like L.A. and New York and just the scene areas that motherfuckers get it fucked up on, which is where they start going, like, yeah, you know, L.A. is this and that. Like, shut the fuck up for a second. Is that so many people are searching for their worth in other people's eyes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the ones that really start, the ones that are able to really start reaping the 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 what they've sown in terms of identity is those that, that know that their identity solely rests within themselves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In those moments of like becoming really rely on us to believe. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and especially in this digital age where every like self-worth and all these things are being attributed to so many things outside of our fucking control. It's hard to do so. But being able to live a life and going through experiences and just thinking to ourselves what we want will allow us to really blossom and become. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you, your path and your pursuit was music. What supported your music as you did that was marketing and promoting and the club element. And now it's literally come full circle. Yeah. And now it's marketing and promoting not the clubs, but promoting the artists. And the entities within these spheres, within the big machine. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're able to do so now. Yeah. I want to ask you, in that transition, what has it been like for you in terms of path and also just personal and career growth within yourself? Like, how do you view it now? What are you excited about now? And what, what do you look forward to looking down the line? I think, like you said, the exciting, the exciting thing is that it has come full circle, and you know, throughout, you know, the years, I've still been able to stay attached to the music. Um, you always have to be. Always had to be, yeah. but now, like with you know, the new thing is, I'm, I have the ability now to, to not only p- put people on a higher platform. But I have the ability to teach them mm. and the ability to still learn, but also give people the opportunity to really like be on a huge platform and help navigate that, you know, in yeah. a sense to be successful. And it, and for me, it's not even just about the career. It's about like 
people and invest still investing in people mm. and still whether you know it's signing somebody and it's you know doing these long-term deals or it's somebody that you know they come in for gifting and then we end up staying in touch and I can give them you know gems and I can maybe work with them down the line but give them you know real insight and and teach them about business you know about things that I've learned and I think that's the biggest thing for me that excites me is that you know the more I work and the more the platform expands like you know I want to be a beacon to teach like that's that's really what I want to do love I want to give people the opportunities where 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 it, where it's fit but I want to be able to people teach people how to be successful and navigate through all the things we talked about when the discouraging moments come because they come for especially sure especially in this music business these days like you could be hot for like three months, like gone. the hottest, and then completely yeah, gone. Where they go? Totally. So nothing. I can't even imagine what that's like these days. Being a young kid with social media and having sure. millions and millions of followers, but really still being irrelevant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that must be like. It's insane. It's bro, insane. Think about it. It's insane because your life is in front of everybody. Yeah. Right. And you, everybody now has. At their fingertips, the opportunity to comment, yeah, to clown, yeah, to talk shit, to to be disrespectful, and for these kids, this is why the kids these days have the anxiety of like working adults, bro. It's you crazy. Know? It's always been in entertainment and the arts of like if you don't know who you are before you start getting notoriety, you're oh. fucked. In this day and age, you could be a nobody and somebody in a snap. Do you think these motherfuckers even know who they are? At all. And then you have these people who equate followers to success. Crazy. You know, there's somebody right now who And also industries, bro. Yeah. As industries, we're guilty of that too. There's somebody right now who has 5 million followers and they're sleeping on somebody's four. (laughs) But they don't have... It in them to go and work and actually earn a living because they're worried about the perception. Yeah, of right. You know what I mean. So, I think for me, man, it, it, like I said, it's it's really just like, you know, like teaching. You know, I did the ASCAP panel a while ago, and it's not about these kids. These people know if you're in music, you understand the music business. You for understand sure. like what it means to sign a contract and owing money back and all those things. But the difference that's going to separate you from everybody else is how hard are you willing to work outside of the glitz and the glam to sustain a career? And that's why I hear these, you know, a lot of these young kids, they try to shit on like all these old heads and blah, blah, blah. If you look at the hottest rappers still today, the ones that have sustained, they're all older. Yeah. So you should be, and there's also very few of them. Very so what happened few, to your favorites very, as kids? Very, They're not very here few. anymore. Very few. So instead, of, like you, instead of like wanting to please like fans and like you know doing things for likes and comments, you should be studying study the game, the blueprint of why Jay Z's in his fifties and he's still <laughs> a high. For real. Nas still there? Why is J Cole in his thirties? Why is Drake's thirty one now? You know what I mean? Like. These are still Kendrick's, you know, they're not by no means saying they're older guys. They're older guys, but they have 
Longevity. They have been through it. Like Kendrick's been around for a long time. Yes, yeah, Cole's been around for a long time. So you should be studying the resilience of that. Yeah. You should be studying like how they make their moves. Yeah. And understanding that not everything has to be on social media. Not everything needs to be a shock and awe factor. For sure. Learn your craft. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the reason why there are artists that are having put out a successful album in so many years can still tour. Yeah. Because they learn at an early age how to perform. Yep. <coughs> and they learn how to put on a show. For sure. To where 20 years later, Lauren Hill. Yeah. Amazing. She has not put out another album, but she's still touring today off that same music. For sure. And that's because you can't deny the talent. You cannot deny, like, the longevity of classic music. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... So many, there. Everybody's so caught up in like the quick, the quick. Yeah. Timeless will never die. No. Time it will never die. For real. You know, and and it's scary today. Like you know, it, I think there's a lot of great music out, and there's a lot of great young artists out. I don't know if they're gonna be around. You they're know, probably not. A couple years from now, and it's because with internet, it it's <coughs> taken some of the work out of it. For sure. You know, these kids are playing huge festivals and they don't really know how to perform. They're performing over reference tracks. They're just screaming and yelling. And, you know, they, everybody thinks they're a rock star now. And I think a lot of these kids have the ability to do it. But there's a certain level of work and commitment that goes into it. Absolutely. And not everybody's willing to do that. For sure. And that's what the differences between the last man standing and the guy that was standing for, you know, had some fame for 15 minutes. And that's any line of work. Yeah. That's it's not all just relative, music. Bro. It, I mean, yeah. I look at myself, like I could have just cashed in the chips and said, you know what? Like, I'm just, I'm good where I'm at. Like, this is cool. But once again, like a certain level of restlessness and then also to the ability to know when it's time to move on. Yeah, yeah. It's time to That's to reach for something. There's always got to be something in you that wants to reach for more. Yeah, and whatever that motivation is, but you know, you can't get caught up in like, you know, what's what's now and being the hottest guy now. Like, be the guy that sustained his career for 20 years. <laughs> I'd rather be that than the guy who had like six platinum hits and then disappeared after two. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, money gone after three. Yeah. Way you know, gone. It's, it's crazy. And, but everything, like you said, it ties back to perception. We live in a perception based world now For sure. where it's like, you could be sleeping on a couch, but let me, you know, count this $25,000 cash. You know, the last $25,000 cash that I've had, I blew my advance. Yeah. I actually the, emptied my bank account to like take the picture with this shit. No. And Meek Mill put a dope statement out the other day. I forget who, but he was just talking about like, you know, when you're young and you're running around, like there's like, you got all these people with you until these people realize yes. like, if you ain't working. Yeah. Or you know the money ain't coming in from then. When you start, start at twenty, yeah. Then yeah. when they start when they start realizing like, like you're not gonna yeah. pay for everything, it's eight six to eight. Yeah, and, and then it's two, and then it's yeah. two. Yeah, and that's how the game it. works. Yeah, and you look at like LeBron's crew. Yeah, he put his crew on initially, but they work. They're a machine. You're empowered. You're empowered. You don't need a million people around you, but 
people need that around because we live in such a generation where everybody needs cosign sure. and they need like, you know, the people around them to feel secure. For sure. And that's just because you're not secure with yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it's the work ethic it just comes down to that, man. It just comes down to like being resilient and working hard and, you know, and being respectful too. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being respectful and being gracious and grateful, like yeah. humility. Like that's, it's an amazing thing. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's the thing that gets you to the next step. That's, that's, the next step. that's what being a human being. Yes. Is. Yeah. Through through all of this, people have forgot the human yeah. factor. Of, Cats are over here as brands and characters and personal yeah. brands personified. Everybody's a brand. Everybody's yeah. a brand. Like we're humans. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's just pretty crazy, man. And um, but it, you know, once again, it's like that thing you have to learn to adjust. You know, and be open enough to you know, and re- real enough with yourself too. For sure. Yeah. The the things you're doing now and the, and the person you are now, just in terms of just you evolving and learning about new passions, like what has that really been like in terms of the person you're becoming, you know? Yeah, like it's 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 crazy. It's like, um, you know, even when I started this the new gig, it was scary. You know what I mean? Because I've always worked like smaller independent companies or by myself or freelancing and then you're going into a place that has so much legacy you know you think about you know nowadays you think five years is a long time like oh my my, my company's been in business for 10 years now I and mean, you go start working for a company that's been in business for 70 years <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like wow like 70 years, 70 years, that's is like fucking longevity insane. on yeah. top of longevity on top of longevity. And it could be intimidating, but then you realize like, wow, I can learn so much from the people around me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes it, it ties back to pride where you feel like, you know, everything Yeah, and you don't want to learn, you know, or you're off putting to people because you feel like, you know, more than them. And for me, it's like every day, like there's something new that I'm learning from somebody or something that I'm picking up. And, you know, the passion has shifted more, you know, from the music, which is still always there, but more like focusing on how can I improve people, other people's lives? Mm. Like, how can I, you know, be a blessing to other people? You know, um, how can, you know, I you know, take somebody's like burden or, you know, uncertainty about that and, and, and be an inspiration, you know? So that's become like my biggest passion now, man, with everything is just like, how can I be a blessing to somebody? Incredible. And, and, and people think being a blessing to somebody always ties back to, can you give me money or can you, sometimes it's just lending a hand or giving five minutes to talk to somebody yeah. or saying hello know, or saying hello or giving somebody a smile and, you know, and it's it's a daily reminder, you know what I mean? Because we all go through it. Like, we have those days that it's just, like, it's tough. You know, you may be going through things personally. Like For sure. You may be in a mood. You may be, but it's like, okay, shake it off and, and, and do what you can 
But, you know, my real passion, man, is eventually I would love to to open some sort of like at risk um, youth home, mm. you know, because I, I was that kid, yeah. you know, that was like one decision away from, you know, being in a real bad place. Yeah. And, you know, we grew up around that stuff and and I see it now. There's so many lost people, you know, that are trying to figure out life and feel like they don't have anybody or anywhere to turn. But and I think with social media, it's even worse now because you're <laughs> all day swiping and looking and chasing other people's lifestyle. And sometimes you need somebody who's been there to sit down and just be like real with you. Yeah. And or letting them letting you letting them see you like that you fell before and hearing that that it's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um but that's that's it, man. And and being a good father, like that's my number one priority. Love. Like I think for me, if I never accomplished anything else, as long as my daughter is like he was a great father, he taught me a lot, he was there for me, like that's good for me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, um, and it's just hoping to just be, just being better, just being better every day, you know, Absolutely. In, in whatever way that is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, I'm just grateful, man. I've, I've met so many great people along my journey and I continue to meet great people and, you know, I work with great people and now being in a position to, to give back. Yeah. And not give back in this way, like to make it sound like it's some sort of charity. Yeah. But be able to give back in a sense that now I'm in a position that I didn't have when I was doing music. Sure. You know what I mean? And being able to work with a lot of this young talent, but having that connection. Yeah. I mean, huge. bro, in this day and age, just being able to be present is giving back. It's huge, man. And a lot of these guys, they, you know they're really? on labels and they work with people that they'll never meet. And you talk to them <laughs> and you realize how unsexy it actually is. Yeah. You realize how <laughs> how in need of a shoulder to fucking lean on it actually is. Yeah. So true. How much motherfuckers don't know who their real friends are it actually is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And living in a world where everybody else looking at them like they've made it already. Yeah. And and I love that. And it's also giving me the opportunity to be around people that I grew up listening to or, love. you know, idolizing. Not in a sense of, like, idolizing like that, but just, like, you know, I look up to these people. And it's allowed me to be in these rooms and to be, you know, blessed by learning from these people, like, you know, Emory is a, a perfect example. Like, you know, we grew up in the J era and the Nas era and all those things and hearing the stories about Emory. But for now to be able to talk to him, mm. you know, a lot and yeah. learn from him and, you know, meeting Biggs and you were there that day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Crazy. Like, like it, the history. You know, I'm like, if these guys can take time out of their day to give me knowledge and to share with me, like, who am I and not have to gone res- through what they've gone yeah, through? Who am I not to do that with a hundred people? I feel <laughs> you know you. what I mean? Like, here, have it all. Like, I feel you. have it wow. all. You know, I and feel you. So I love that, man. I, I love. It. I want to see people succeed. I want to see people win. You know, but at the same time, I want people to be real with themselves. 
and I want people to know that it's okay. Yeah. You know, you can, you can make it through it and you're going to go through fucking tumultuous times, but it's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I want to be able to offer that. So I'm just grateful for the platform and I'm grateful for the journey. And, you know, I'm, I'm still like learning and I'm still, you know, going through, you know, life just like anybody else. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like life doesn't stop. No. Like it don't care. It's like no. okay, you're you're successful. Okay, that don't mean nothing over There's here. Yeah. Like, Tomorrow you're going yeah. through hardships. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Like you better press through it. Yeah, <laughs> we're going. but you know those <laughs> everything you go through. You know it could either be a, a blessing or a curse for sure. You know, and I'm just in blessing mode. Like I love it. <laughs> like oh yeah, we're okay. Cool. I love you it. Know? And so so it's all good, man. But um, it's it's been great. And, you know, I just hope that I continue to grow and, you know, continue to use my platform for positivity and, you know, grow and, and we'll see where, where it lands. I have no <laughs> doubt that you will, bro. This yeah. has been a fucking honor, my brother. Know that. Yeah, yeah man. man. I appreciate it. And I, I know it's probably super long winded and. Not at all. You know, it's, it's crazy. It was just close. right. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, Whatever it is, it was just right. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, what what I'm what I'm actually like really, nat- naturally just moments like these allow me to just appreciate those that I'm already close to that much more, but even going through it, it's like, you know, just the ability for us to give this type of conversation that even as much as me we may want to in individual moments, like this is just allowing us to give it to. Whoever yeah. listens, the right. brief, long overview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we have to. Yeah. Like, we all leave. Yeah, that, that's the thing in life. Like, we have to be able. Rarely do we get the point to sit, sit, pause, yeah. look back, and smile. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Because moments like these just bring me so much joy. Because it's like one of those pivotal moments that we can just like really actually take the time to appreciate how far we've come. Yeah. Right? And there's still so much to go. Yeah. But we have to be able to pause at moments and just relish in the experience, learn from it, grow from it, to continue to glow from it. You know what I'm saying? That's real. Because I'm sure a year from now, Wherever we are in our perspective yeah. life, we're gonna look back on that. Like, remember when we were yeah. talking about? Yeah, hey, we're gonna have Facts. you back on. Yeah, yeah, Facts. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's also foundational, right? Because one of the biggest reasons, also for us, like we in 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 our first go round, we don't go into the like. So, what exactly are you working on with who and how and all this? Is because you need to set a baseline. Yeah. So many. Uh, this this isn't a what do you do. No. This is a how do you do and who are you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's why I like that too because, you know, you even hear like interviews with people and everything seems so formulaic now. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? It's like, who were your inspirations growing yeah. up? Who did you listen to? What was it like growing up? And you know what I mean. There's a reason you can listen to eight interviews on your hero and hear the exact same fucking questions. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Well, and I also think like with with this and what's so cool, especially like episodes like this and quote unquote like interviews. Yeah, like it's hard for us to even see this as like an interview, right? It's more of just a conversation. Yeah, yeah. And but what I always love to see is 
when people are are proud of their journeys and vulnerable and and brave enough to be vulnerable for sure and put that perception aside and share their story. I mean, you, and you said this in, in this too, where sharing your story can be so powerful, mm. way more than you think it can be. Yeah. What you're saying is going to help that one kid, mm-hmm. that one person. It's yeah. going to give make somebody smile that day. It's going yeah. to give somebody that encouragement that day. And that might be the only thing in their life they need for the rest of it to accomplish what they need. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, oh, that's real. It's been beautiful, my that's brother. Real. Yeah, man. That's thank real. you, and thank yeah. you for for showing up to here yeah. like that too. Yeah, you know, yeah, man. Uh, I, it, it's. I'm just. I'm happy. I'm. I'm glad you guys have this. You know, this outlet for people, and it's been cool to watch it grow. And I know it's gonna continue to grow because, and we talk about it. There's so many podcasts and self helps and entrepreneur things but that's not a i don't know if that really helps kids you know get to where they still just see like the the golden ticket for sure you know what i mean how and, am i gonna right my own wrong right or how am and, i gonna and for everybody this? it's not f the system go start your own business yeah. that's not everybody doesn't have it in them to be an entrepreneur no and also too like just because you start a t-shirt brand doesn't mean like you're an entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. Like everything is so easy accessible now, but that's not, I feel like sometimes it teaches kids the wrong message. For like sure. If everybody, if a hundred people are walking around saying F school, maybe that changes the mind of the kid that actually likes school and wants to go to school. But all of his friends are like oh, F school that he doesn't go to school. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it's not everybody's path, you know, and there's nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with going out and working for a big corporation for or sure. a small corporation or yeah. changing tires. It's it's the quality of life you have outside of that and how you feel when you're doing that. Yeah. yeah. Because some people are passionate about those things and you know, with the perception based, you know, world that we lived in, it's like you can't be happy unless you're an entrepreneur or you have a ton of money or you have this. And, you know, I don't, I want to be able to show kids like, that's amazing if, if you do have that in you and you can start something. But if you, it takes you 20 years to get to the spot you're in, that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're all a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. You know, there's times I feel like, dang, only if I would have started maybe this path like 10 years ago or eight years ago. But then I look at it, I'm like, I wouldn't have been ready for this. No, nor would you have met the same people. No, no. you know, and there's a reason why I'm in this place right now. The reason that I'm in this position right now, there's yeah. a reason why I went through the times I did with the mother of my child and we're in the place we're in now. It's all by design Yeah, and it's all for growth. For sure. Totally. But when you, it it just takes a different lens to look at it. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes when you're going through it, you can't see it. Yeah. And sometimes it takes somebody to grab you and say, Yo, you ever thought of it? You ever thought <laughs> yeah. you're the one that's the yeah. problem? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And For real. like you said, it, it's still at the end of the day, it's it's you. You have to you have to walk your journey. Yeah. yeah. Nobody else could do it for you. You have to figure things out. 
People will help you along the way. People will knock you down along the way. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. Facts. You know what I mean? So keep striving. Keep pushing. Don't be afraid to ask ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You know what I mean? Like I had a, a boy of mine who super, super pride issue. Struggling, 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 struggling. Refused to ask for help. And then I told him, I'm like, you know so many people. And people know your work ethic and people know you're a good person. Believe me, if you open that door and tell people you're looking for something, something will pop up. Yeah. Swallow that pride, did it within a couple months in an executive position. Incredible. You know what I mean? And and people, when you're a good person and you work hard, people don't look at it as a handout. For sure. They look at it as an asset. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So anytime, I'm the same way. Like every job I go to, I try to. My people, I'm like, if there's anybody qualified that's in my realm, I'm coming for them first. Right. Because you want to be able to vouch for people. For sure. And you want to be able to help people that deserve it. For sure. And that's nothing to do with a handout. It's like we all need somebody at some point. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that may be in the form of a job. It may be in the form of a hug. It may be, you know, somebody, a couch to sleep on. It may be a drink. It may be dinner. You know what I mean? Like these things happen at at certain times, but, you know, don't be afraid, you know, to, to accept that, you know what I mean? We were created, you know, <coughs> man, man and woman were created for each other. Facts. You know what I mean? So you don't have to walk it alone, you know? Big facts. <laughs> this is incredible. I can't, I can't wait to, to see your continued personal and professional growth. And it's an absolute honor to know you. Yeah, right. Man. As a human being and as a friend and as a beacon of this culture. And your daughters are very lucky, girl. Oh, man. And I'm going to end it with that. Hey. Um, <laughs> <how about this? laughs>